What's up, everything? It's a whole new year and a whole new hockey team as the St. Louis Blues haven't lost since 2018. Come on, you have to have one New Year pun at least, right? We'll talk about the last five games for the Blues, catch up on all that we've missed, and then we'll dive deep into our unofficial, official 2GNC Galactic Supremacy Awards of 2018. As you can guess, it's a busy episode, so let's get started and let's go Blues! Welcome back, everyone. This is the Two Guys No Cup podcast, the first Two Guys No Cup podcast of the new year. It is our 69th episode. Nice. nice. We are here today. It is Thursday, January 3rd, 2019. Our first episode in in quite a while. We missed a week. Uh, that's understandable because of the holidays, but how the heck have you been, Ian? Depressed. Because the holidays are over. That's true. It's a little sad. You ever sad. feel like that? Oh, yeah. I feel depressed on, like, December 15th because the holidays are <laughs> over. I've got real problems. That, that's a problem. And speaking of the holidays being over, we're coming to you not tonight from our very special and wonderful studios in the McAllister home from Home Alone. But the family is back now, and the kids are back in school, and it's really just awkward that we're still here. <laughs> Hi, Kevin. <laughs> He's here. He's hanging out. <laughs> How many kids did they have? Like a thousand. Okay. Seven? Six? Someone I'm trying to remember how many they had in the head count. Yeah, someone told me they didn't have very many, and I was like, no, that's why no, they no, forgot. No, no, no. That's them. how they forgot. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe some of them were cousins, technically. But yeah. like, I have a group of cousins. There's eight of them in the same family, and they lost one at a gas station. And by lost, I mean they left them there. And then he died. <laughs> and now there's seven. And he survived. Four of here. <laughs> He's fine. Uh, well, let's dive right in, I guess, because we've got a lot to catch up on. I'm sure we'll do some holiday catching up at some point. But let's start with the, I guess it's news. I mean, I think we sort of knew it was coming. Um, but the Blues are now officially the recipients of the 2020 Honda I wouldn't want to go without saying that. <laughs> NHL All-Star Game. Um, so, I mean, we've known for a while that the league was kind of dangling the carrot of the All-Star Game in front of us <coughs> for our continued re- renovations of the Enterprise Center. But now it's official. Uh, it was announced at the second intermission of the Winter Classic, which was a boring game with what was the terrible final? uniforms? Two to one, Boston. Oh. Because the Blackhawks can't win winter classics. Oh, jeez, man. They can be in all of them, but they can't win any of them. <laughs> uh, Tom Stillman says, This is a great day for not only Blues fans, but for the city of St. Louis. Our city, our great fans, and our corporate partners, thanks, Eugene, have shown tremendous loyalty to the Blues since the team's inception in 1967 and landing a major event such as the 2020 Honda NHL All-Star Game is a testament to to their relentless passion and support. I'm sorry, I just when I read that, we discussed this earlier, but it just felt like that's not something you actually say mm-hmm. in speech. So, um, 
Let's move on to Chris Zimmerman. Chris Zimmerman's comments, the CEO of the Blues. Yeah, I think it's Chris. Is that or is that the weatherman for Fox Two? Ooh. I don't know. There's a Zimmerman. Is it a Tom Zimmerman? I don't know. It's Zimmerman. I'll figure it out. You got it. He says, we're extremely excited to be hosting the 2020 Honda (laughs) NHL All-Star Weekend in St. Louis. The support we have received from the city of St. Louis, coupled with ongoing investments from the Blues Ownership Group, have facilitated the dramatic transformation of Enterprise Center and were critical to winning the bid for our first NHL All-Star game since the building opened in 1994. Uh, What does this mean for the team? Well, the NHL likes it when franchises fork over money, and they like it just as much or even better when the franchises convince their city to fork over money. And I think there was a little of both in this case uh, to renovate the Enterprise Center. The Blues committed to the league in a big way, and the league is rewarding it. I think... Whatever Gary Bettman's faults, and they are many, he's pretty loyal to the people that are loyal to the league. And so Stillman's getting this reward and possibly more in the future. I mean, I would say the All-Star Games part, or the not the All-Star Game, the uh, Winter Classic we got was part of that mm-hmm. as well, was rewarding this ownership group for committing to the area and committing to the team. Um, I think both you and I kind of want a draft more than an all-star game, Mm. but this is cool, right? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'll still go. I feel like I always say the all-star game is a bunch of crap and baloney, and a lot of people do, but if it's in your city, I want to go. I want to see some of the festivities. Mm -hmm. They always put stuff on outside the rinks and sometimes even at other local little rinks. I think that'd be kind of cool. I think someone posted on Reddit, it'd be a cool idea if maybe some of these all-stars were like, at Kirkwood Rink, you know, or mm-hmm. at Creve Coeur or something, just to, like, show up and stuff. That'd be really neat. But, yeah, I mean, I'll, I think I'll try to go. I don't know how much tickets are going to cost. They could walk into the mills and see our beautiful practice facility oh, as well. Bars. Yeah, I have no read on what tickets are going to cost for this, because you think of it as, like, a whatever event, but it's still here, you I know? I like, want to see the skills thing more than the game. <clears throat> yeah. I'll settle for that. Yeah, kind of like the home run derby bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's cool. I do think it's cool. I, while we're on the subject, uh, you know, Alex Ovechkin decided to sit out this year's All-Star game, mm. and that's been talked about a lot. What are your thoughts on that whole situation? Mm, I'm My opinion's probably now being colored by the fact that I'm going to try and go to this All-Star game <laughs> next year. Um, I think they should have to show up. I mean, yeah. I know... You don't want to get injured, and you get your little free time, and it's a grueling season. You don't get a lot of time off. You get days off, but you have to be at the rink and, you know, in the gym and everything. But I still think, like, show up? Mm. I don't know. This is a fan thing. This is another one of the many fan things you have to do as a player. And I I would think it'd kind of be fun, one of the fun things to do as a player, too. I mean, not that, you know, hospital visits and going to, like, the dog pound and stuff aren't, but, you know, those are sort of things that might be a little sadder or harder on your psyche it's something you want to do but it's you know just a little harder to do but something like this seems like super easy to do and something you would really want to do sort of you know what i mean yeah so i'm kind of surprised that they don't make players go i also understand a little bit when you're alex ovechkin or Sidney crosby you're there every year Mm -hmm. you kind of are tired of it yeah it's it's weird it's like a weird catch-22 because it's like Yes, this thing is gimmicky and doesn't matter, but at the same time, it only matters if the stars actually show up. 
you know, and and especially since Ovechkin, I think, was one of the four captains that were voted on by fans, since they don't let the fans vote anymore because of the John Scott fiasco. Um, Yeah, I don't, I mean, I love Alex Ovechkin. It's nothing personal against him, but I just think you should sort of have to show up. It's not, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not the Pro Bowl in the sense that it's like right in the middle of the playoffs and nobody cares, you know, Mm -hmm. at least go do the skills competition, have fun. And if you don't want to play in the game, then fly home early or something. But I think you should appear. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the blues are getting it in 2020, which is already next. I mean, this is just next year's all-star game. Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously almost literally a year away. Yeah. Year and a month or so. So that's really cool. I'm excited. Um, the other question, so weirdly, I don't think they've done this before. I haven't looked it up, but the NHL announced that Dallas would be hosting the 2020 All-Star Game uh, at the Cotton Bowl, but they're not All-Star Game, Winter Classic at the Cotton Bowl, but they did not announce their opponent, which led to wild speculation by me and only me that they're moving a team to Houston at the end of the season. <laughs> uh, but leaving aside that long shot, who do you think their opponent will be? And why do you think they didn't announce? I still think it's going to be Nashville. Mm-hmm. Because Nashville's, a, I mean, they've been in that city for a long time, but they're most certainly like a budding market now, now that the Predators are good. Yeah. I really think they should capitalize on that. Mm-hmm. But I know you had other ideas as far as that goes. No, I mean, I think Nashville makes sense. The only thing I think about Nashville is like Nashville should host one. So yeah, I don't I feel agree. like they should have go to one before they host one, but it's possible. Uh, my only thought was maybe you do Minnesota with the North Stars versus the Stars. Beyond that, though, I do think it's possible we're the team. Um, I mean, when did we host Stars? In 2017, technically? Yeah. So it would have been three years by then. And I don't know that the Stars have a bigger natural rivalry with anyone than us, you know, because we're the same division. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. I, cool. I just don't think they have any real, like, strong rivals. So it might be interesting. It's possible. How weird is it that neither you nor I went to that Winter Classic game? I know. We have so a podcast expensive. about this team. Yeah, but it's not... I mean, some of these things I don't feel like are made for <laughs> average fans no, to get in very easily. But sometimes I look back and I'm like, I don't regret it necessarily, but I'm like, wait, how... Wasn't I there? Mm-hmm. So my thought is, if we are playing Dallas, I'm going to do the more expensive thing and fly or drive. Oh yeah, let's Dallas. do it. We'll do it. Yeah, I'd we'll do that for sure. We'll have credentials to talk with these players at this point. 100. <laughs> we'll get them on the podcast. Don't worry. The so, golden breath. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think we'll talk more about that as it gets closer, both the All Star Game and the Winter Classic, but. Good news for St. Louis as a franchise. Um, Ian, let's preview the month of January, which started for the Blues tonight with their 5-2 win uh, over the Washington Capitals with a couple, five, rapid-fire questions that I will ask you that you've never seen before unless you've read them in the notes. Number one, the Blues have, starting tonight, 12 games in 21 days, which means that they're averaging one in, like, Less than a half days of rest between games. Will they survive that? Um, they will not. (laughs) What would you say their record is? That's not one of the rapid fire questions. That's just a bonus. Twelve games. Well, they already they can't go zero and (laughs) twelve. One and (laughs) eleven. 
I'll be. Ge- I think I'll be generous. I'm going to say six and six. That's fine. Yeah, that's believable. Um, who will be the Blues' leading scorer in the month of January? Mm. Points or goals? I can do points. Um, you know what? I think it's going to be Jane Schwartz. I think Jane Schwartz heats up. That was the name at the tip of my tongue. Will Evan Fitzpatrick start any games? No, he will not. Will Craig Berube be the coach at the end of the month? Yes, he will. Will the Blues make a major, meaning roster player, and not that weird goalie we got from the Ducks from the San Diego Goals today, trade before February? No, they will not. Okay. Thanks for answering in all the most boring ways. Strap in for a... boring January? Uh Uh-huh. With my voice cracking. (laughs) Um... I don't know. I, my thought is that they have to play at least a little better than they have recently. Mm-hmm. Or I should say over the whole season. Recently they've been doing okay, at least record-wise. Can't say they really passed the eye test of looking okay, but their record's been, whatever, six in their last nine. This is like, I think, turns into like seven in their last 11 or mm-hmm. something like that. So they're doing all right. I think they could trend that way. At least 500. <clears throat> yeah, it's just frustrating when every third game is just oh, an embarrassing loss. They could go three and nine, and I wouldn't like bat an eye at it. <laughs> but, oh yeah, that seems about right too. Absolutely. Uh, so let's dive into the games. We have missed five, but we're going to give them increasing levels of focus <laughs> as we get closer to the one tonight. Uh, because who really cares about the three-one Calgary defeat or victory that would happen like a week before Christmas or whatever? Uh, in that game, David Perron, Tyler Bozak, and Oscar Sundquist scored for the Blues, very similar to tonight. And Matthew Kachuk was the only scorer for the Flames. Uh, as I recall, this the Blues looked okay overall, mm. nothing special, but fine. Um, it's nice that they went into Calgary. A city that, and that was a, a matinee game, right? Yeah. It was so a day game on the road on that a they Saturday won. or something. So that was miracle. And it's relative, relatively impressive <clears throat> for them. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, and then they played the Buffalo Sabres here uh, the night before I appeared. I guess I should plug. I appeared on our friend Anthony Chandra's podcast with Chad D. Dominicus of DieByTheBlade.com. Or D. Dominicus. Apparently you can't say hard C's up there. Mm-hmm. Up there in Buffalo. Um, and uh, it's called Out, the, Out of the Basement <laughs> Podcast. You can find it on your podcast places, <laughs> or you can find the link we retweeted. It was fun. It was fun. But anyway, right before I appeared on that, we beat the hell out of the Sabres, which was fun for me. Um, Robert Thomas got his third goal of the season. You can see him really maturing and becoming more and more gooder, wouldn't <laughs> As you they say? say? As Darren <laughs> Pang says, holy jumping, he's gooder. <laughs> <laughs> he's a gooder coach. Uh, Jay Bomeister scored his first goal of the year. You can see him maturing and getting more and more gooder, <laughs> can't you? I heard someone, it was Keandre Miller, who I think plays for the U.S., <laughs> In the winter, in the World Junior Championship, which I guess we could talk about at some point on this podcast if we want to, because uh, I've written a lot about it. But Ray Ferraro or somebody likened Keandre Miller's skating to that of Jay Bomeister, and I thought that's a reference from two thousand and nine. 
But do uh, kids even know who Jay Bogster no. is? There is no way Keandre Miller. I mean, maybe he's heard the name, but he and maybe he's like that's that okay old defender for the Voyas. But mm-hmm. that's it. Um, he he was assisted by Perron and Steen. Pat Maroon scored his third goal. Uh, it was decent, I think. I think this one was like actually kind of a goal rather than his other one, mm-hmm. uh, his second goal. He's heating up. You can see him heating up and getting gooder and gooder. I think he's mature. <laughs> Jack Eichel scored the, scored the lone goal for the Sabres, uh, his 15th of the season. And then Ryan O'Reilly added his 14th of the season in the third period. 4-1 victory. Overall, really good performance. Carter Hutton looked okay, but not dominant. And the Blues got revenge on the Patrick Berglund-less Buffalo <laughs> Sabres. <laughs> I was like, got revenge, Patrick Berglund left. What else do we have to do to that poor team? I, I don't know. They still got Vladimir Saboka, don't they? Yeah, I guess, for all the difference. And Tage Thompson. Made. Yeah. Is he, Tage Thompson on that team? He looked sloppy. He was playing, yeah. He looked angry, but, like, not good. Guess what, Tage? It wasn't us. It was you. you. It's <laughs> Sorry. Not, it's not me. It's you. Yeah, it's 100% you. Uh, would you like to walk us through the Pittsburgh game? Ah, the one game I decided to watch. The one <laughs> game I was home for and not in Minnesota for, and thus it was on TV and I could watch it. And because it was, was this the Saturday game? I think so, yeah. It was awful. It was just awful. It was not so good. Penn's got a power play goal. They'll get three more of those throughout tonight. Uh, Sidney Crosby's 17th of the season. Steen takes a very early penalty, I believe right off the draw, the opening draw of the game. Uh, Edmondson can't stop the cross-crease pass from Hornquist to Crosby on the power play, and Crosby scores from a severe angle. I would say it was an insane goal, but it's Sidney Crosby, and it's just... The guy scores from anywhere. Mm. He doesn't really have like an office like Ovechkin. Yeah. And it's never like a crazy... Crisp, Cros- I don't know. It's just Crosby just scores, mm-hmm. and I swear it's just like he bangs his body around, like ah, it's in, <laughs> and uh, and that's a skill. Yeah, he's not very pretty, but it is very effective. He grits out those goals, at least from when I watch him play. Uh, Murray made an outstanding save against Schwartz in tight late in the first period. It was a really really good save. Just got his glove right up as Schwartz tried to go backhand on him. Second period, Penn's get a power play goal. Their second of the night. You see Ricola, which. Annoys me that they have a Ricola and we have a Mikola because, like, Mikola was going to be, you know, a joke on Ricola. Uh-huh. But they just have a guy named Ricola. Well, that's actually when, when Dougie tried to make the trade, he was going for UC Ricola and just got, uh, or, well, I guess he got Oscar Sundquist, so the joke's kind of ruined. <laughs> that would have worked at the beginning of this season. But now we like Oscar Sundquist. Uh-huh. You're welcome, Oscar. Didn't they trade for Ricola at some point or something? Maybe. Anyway, move zero on. Idea. Don't listen to me. <laughs> uh, Ricola blasts one from the point and it beats Allen under the glove and over the pad. Petrano was moving in front of Allen in the slot, but Allen was looking to the right area anyways where the puck was headed. So, not a great look. Penn's get a regular goal later. 5-on-5 goal. Latang makes a quick pass from the top of the zone down to Aston Reese who deflects the puck over Allen. Really nothing Allen can do on this. It's a crazy weird deflection, but the rest of the team could have defended Aston Reese. The closest defenders are on the other side of the net. Fantastic. Is that where they're supposed to be? 
At least one of them should be, and I believe all three of them thought, that's that, me. That <laughs> it's me. Penn's going to power play goal their third of the night. Patrick Hornquist. Uh, Latang lets a puck fly from the blue line, and Hornquist deflects it in front of the net past Allen. It's a power play goal. It's five on four. But someone needs to be clearing Hornquist from in front of Allen. No Blues player is even making contact with Hornquist when the puck is headed towards the net. This goal chases Allen and brings in Binnenenenington. And you just do the whole yeah. rest of the podcast while <laughs> I'm doing that. I'll do a slow fade out. <laughs> Executive producer Dick, Dick Wolf. Blues <laughs> get a goal. David Perron is 13th of the season. This is pretty much all Ryan O'Reilly with an amazing no look pass to Perron that freezes Murray. Perron, I believe, shoots the puck home on a one timer. I wrote something different. It's not shoot, it's some other S word. But this is loser <laughs> hockey. It's four to one. The game could be over by now. I like how you wrote loser hockey. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you quoting him? <laughs> Blaming him? That's or? what Benny said. <laughs> this is from the other end of the ice when Brown scored. Loser hockey. I read the article. Just like Ricola. <laughs> <laughs> Ricola. 100%. Jordan Bennington's big on chirps. <laughs> he knows what his name is. He's got to be good at the chirps. It could have been 4-1. Penn's had two more in the third at 6-1. Blues never got their foothold in this game at all. You didn't want to take this opportunity to say Jake <coughs> Gensel. Hey, let's no. talk about Jake Gensel for a minute, because he got a six-year, six-million-dollar contract extension. Did he? Your I thoughts? That. Five year, maybe six years, somewhere in there. But it's six per. Six per. Oh, we- weird, weird flex. <laughs> Jim would, Rutherford, but I would say that's a steal. But then, does he do much in the regular season? I don't know. But he does a lot in the playoffs. Yeah. So maybe this, it's worth it in this day and age. Six million. Maybe for it's him. Maybelline. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say it's a decent deal. Let me make sure. It is five years at six million per. I think if he if they had even gotten it just a skosh under six, everyone would be saying that's just a steal. A skosh. So I think six is did, right where he's at. We talked about the Robert Fortuzo extension, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah, okay. So yes. We covered that extensively. Penguins went four for four on the power play that night. Thirty shots on goal to the blues thirty one. Uh blocks. Penguins had twenty three block shots, the blues five. That's redonkulous. That's insane. We also hit the Penguins 25-12, to 12, so basically we never played with the puck, and when we did have the puck, it wasn't getting on net, despite the 31 shots that were on net, but none of them very good. Minus one, that was good. Mm-hmm. The David Perron goal. Can I dock Emmerich up that enough? Jesus Christ. No. <laughs> uh, the team that was wearing blue <laughs> scored a lone goal, but it was pretty lonely because there were six goals having a party on the other end of the ice. Those goals were scored by the men in the black and gold sweaters from the Steel City, that being, of course, Pittsburgh. God, he just can't stop. He can't help himself. I like, there's a period. Just put a period Anywhere. there. Exclamation mark. Anywhere. 
A big deal to me about this game, though, is I remember reading a lot of people go, well, Penguin's power play is just a deadly power play. What are you going to do? I don't know. Not take penalties. <laughs> like, if I know that and the announcers know that, what? Blues players know that. And then Steen took, like, two awful penalties. And they both got capitalized on, like, just don't do that. And again, maybe this is, I think this is the line I'm stealing from you, but without penalties, that's just a 2-1 loss yeah. instead of a 6-1 loss. You still technically managed to lose without any of the, yeah. Like, penalty, or, the here's balls. a fun idea. Convert on your penalty opportunities. Because didn't we have three? We had two. Oh two. for two. Well. Oh for toe for two. Oh for toe for. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. There's a Ryan O'Reilly quote. He's exasperated. He don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> That's really sad. That's pretty much him going, I don't know. We're the leadership group and we need to make people, I don't know, learn that other games are other games, and they need to treat each one as a new game, and it doesn't make it any easier just because we won in two games before. This is the actual quote, by the way, folks. He's not just paraphrasing. I mean, more or less. But it's too inconsistent, and it's on this leadership group, of which I am a part. He didn't say that, but I guess it's implied. Yeah. <laughs> Unless he's just looking across the locker room. This leadership group. <laughs> we have to be the ones bringing that jump and that composure and just that mentality of, okay, this is a new night. We've got to set the tone here. It's something to be addressed. We know it, and we've got to respond. This is like when you have a roommate who's like <laughs> not very cleanly, but you don't want to be an ass and be like, clean up your mess. You go, we need to clean up our mess mm-hmm. because Ryan O'Reilly is doing everything he just said. He's telling other people they need to do better. All those times you text me and you're like, we need to make this podcast better. Yeah, I know we, what you're really look, saying. We need to clean up our recording area. <laughs> we were too loud last week. <laughs> our mics were awful fuzzy. And then we just keep talking about this as we get louder and angrier and then the podcast ends. It's it's a classic sitcom act two material. (laughs) Uh, Shall we move on to the act two of this losing streak, which was the New York Rangers beating us two to one? Great transition. You're welcome, America. Um, (laughs) This game opened up with a Ryan O'Reilly goal with ten minutes in. Uh, Did you know Ryan O'Reilly had a slap shot? Because he did. He's the only player on the team with one. On, except, I guess, Colton Pareko, when he Sometimes. chooses to use it, which is seldom. Seldom's a fun word. Anyway, um, <laughs> David, <laughs> David Perron pulled up on the half boards and did like a, or actually O'Reilly pulled up on the half boards and did a weird little give and go with Perron, and the go was to his one-timer that beat Lundqvist far side. It was a really pretty goal, and we have a really pretty gif of it from our friend 14th and Quark, but... Uh, it was not enough to hold off the onslaught from onslaught onslaught from the New York Rangers. Uh, Matt Zuccarello would score a power play goal near the end of the period. You know how we talk about those in period goals killing you. They're, um, they're not as fatal as awful deflections off Jay Bowmeister. Uh, it was. 3:11 in the second period when Boo Nieves, whose real name is Cristoval Nieves, and he was drafted by the New York Rangers at 59th overall in the 2012 draft, played college hockey with the Michigan Wolverines before moving on to the Hartford Wolfpack and just scored his 10th NHL goal. That Boo Nieves. He played college hockey. College hockey, yes. Is he from America? 
Cristobal Boo Nieves? I'm sure he is. What would give you any indication that he's not? <laughs> Why did he go with Boo? I don't know. I looked in his Wikipedia article and it didn't I tell like, me. You're like, Ian, I don't know. <laughs> I looked up all this information because anytime there's a player, I did this when Mackenzie Weger scored his goal against us a few weeks ago. Anytime a player scores against us that I've never heard of, I assume other folks out there have haven't heard of him either, so I'd like to give a little backstory. Anyway, he skates between um, two defenders. It looks like Butler is one of them, and walks right through them like they're a friggin' goalpost. And then he gives a lazy backhand that Jay Bomeister manages to deflect with his skate and beat Jake Allen far side. I know there are people out there who won't like me saying this, but Jake Allen still should have saved it. But also, Jay Bomeister could have just blocked it or not deflected it, or Chris Butler could never have allowed him to just skate through into the crease. So I'm not saying it's Jake Allen's fault. I am saying he could have stopped it. But in any case, it gave the Rangers a 2-1 lead, which they would never relinquish, and because Henrik Lundqvist stood up to all, like, 80 billion of the Blues shots, and it was the end of the game before we scored another goal, which we did not. That was your summary. <laughs> your very <laughs> was weird Was that a Doc Emmerich? Unintentionally, I guess so. Yeah, I'm trying to stall so I can look up how many shots we did. How many shot skis Joel Quinville took. It was... Wait for it, because I have to click another <coughs> link. And it's slow. Good job, it was 40 to 23. Yeah, I think we should have scored another goal. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Not quick science. We sure didn't, though. Um, anyway, yeah, the Blues, I mean, this was a better effort from the Blues, but I'm not going to sit here and say we were robbed by King Henrik. I don't think he was making all of these highlight reel saves that just, it was his night to steal the show, you mm -hmm. know? Um, it was just, you know, it was just kind of a, honestly, honestly, it was two crappy teams mm. playing each other and the slightly less crappy team, or the slightly more crappy team arguably won, because that's what happens when crappy teams play <laughs> each other. Coin flip. I know we're supposed to say that the Blues had this huge, great streak coming, but that's the reality of what it was. <laughs> uh, shall we move on to tonight? Yes. We shall. All right. So the Blues played the defending Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals, coached by Todd Reardon, who is a man, I think. <laughs> Would you like to yes. discuss your thoughts on Todd Reardon? Sure. He looks <laughs> younger now than he did when he played for the Blues. Because when he played for the Blues in the late 90s, early 2000s, he had a mustache and a goatee. And that makes you look much older. And now he doesn't have that, but he's more bald, so it kind of evens out. He also was at the... Did he say this, or did Pang say this? That Reardon basically said he was the Michael Kempney to, uh, like, Chris Pronger, basically, when they had played together. Oh, was that him he was talking yeah. about? Oh. I thought he was. Yeah, yeah. I think you. I think you're right, and I think that was a real nice way of insulting Michael Kempney. <laughs> I was like, I guess so. I'm the Kempney to John Carlson's to John Carlson's Chris Pronger in the sense that both Kempney and I sucked a lot more than the <laughs> yeah, other guy. Like, both two of us were very bad compared to our partner, so I found that humorous. He doesn't look like a coach, but what do I know about coaching and looks? 
Well, you've never hashtag played the game. That's true. You've never been hashtag in the room, so how would you know anything? I hashtag no shit. <laughs> Speaking of people who were in the room, Robert Thomas has been in the room for all of about three, mo- <laughs> three months, and he scored his fourth goal. You can really see him heating up and getting much gooder and gooder. Oh, yeah. He has four goals, and he had, what, something like eight assists? Uh-huh. So he's like 12 points at about halfway through the season. I could see him hitting 30 points. Yeah, he's heating up. Nice he's getting gooder. Season. Yeah. You're right. I think when you said gooder, you were right. <laughs> he is gooder. No, I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of people talking about how he's improving, and, and I've seen it with my own eyes, too. I don't just scroll Twitter for other people's opinions. <laughs> Ooh, people should go to the game with a sign, put it down by the glass, you know, where it says, hey, it's my birthday, give me a puck sort of deal. I need to be like, hey, Robert Thomas, you're definitely heating up. And getting more gooder. <laughs> Give me if, a puck. <laughs> if we see that on Fox Sports Midwest, my signed Patrick Bergwin Mardi Gras puck is yours. Just reach out God. with your address. <laughs> it's done. No, no one's going to make the sign now. That's, oh, they don't want the true. Patrick Bergwin puck. My signed Paul Stastny Christmas puck? Slightly better? You're going to have to offer up the Pecorine puck. Oh, shit. No, they're not getting that. <laughs> Actually, you know, we'll 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 discuss. I'll... Future considerations. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the past. Robert Thomas scored his fourth goal. Robert Bortuzzo assisting Jaden Schwartz, forgetting temporarily that his name was Ro- not Robert, also assisted on this one. Uh, Thomas and Shin had a battle in the corner. One of them got it out to Schwartz. Schwartz passed it back to Bortuzzo at the blue line as Thomas kind of wrestled in front with Matt Niskanen, who was not able to push him around because Rob Thomas has too much experience in that category. Thomas was there to deflect the puck in and pass Braden Holby. Uh, that's like a mental golf clap for the Matchbox 20 fun, isn't it? Just nodding my head. Very good. Well done. Um, a, a fella... I've heard his name before. Alex Ovechkin, I think is how it's pronounced. Uh, he scored his... 30th goal of the season. He's on pace for the most goals he's ever scored this year. Cool. And he's what, 32? 32 or 3 or 4? Somewhere Holy in there, cow, yeah. He's not slowing down. No. I think he's eating up. I think he's getting more <laughs> I think gooder. He's getting more gooder. Uh, we've got a new contender for name of this episode. We got like um, three. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, we should put them all in there. Why not? <laughs> Michael Kempney assisted, uh, not Todd Reardon. Or Todd Reardon? Yes. Yeah, that's his yeah. name. And John Carlson got his 33rd assist. See, because <coughs> because they're the Kempney and Carlson of being Kempney and Carlson. <laughs> well done. Uh, there was lots of battling behind and good passes by the Cats on this one. Eventually, did eventually Kempney... Did I say eventually? <laughs> Kempney did eventually hit a really nice cross-eyes pass to Ovechkin in his office... And I know it's Ovi, and yes, he scored, and I know it's Ovi, but this was not a great goal on Jake Allen. I'm sorry, I know we do it a lot, but he needs to save more pucks. Good news is he didn't have any other ugly goals except for the other one allowed in this game. Um, But yeah, I mean, listen, it's Alex Ovechkin with a clean shot. Sometimes he's going to beat you. With that said, it shouldn't go between your blocker and your pad. So, there you go. Um, anyway, 
It was 1-1 at the end of the first period. I think the Blues outplayed the Caps for the most part throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was a period there where it looked like they'd still managed to lose. And that happened after Brett Connolly scored his ninth goal of the season, assisted by Lars Eller and Michael Kempney, who is the Chris Pronger in this I game. I was going to say, yeah, I think he's Chris Pronger now. <laughs> uh, he heard Pang talking shit, and he did it. He fixed it. Uh, Brett Connolly skated in alone here. Fabry and Petrangelo had 10. Terrible defense, uh, and Connolly shot high as Allen went down too fast, even by Panger's admission, and he couldn't control the re- rebound, and Connolly, Connolly buried it. What did you think about this goal? Yeah, it was bad all around. It shouldn't have even gotten to Allen, and when it did, the rebound doesn't bounce out. It's, I mean, it's poor rebound control, but it's not like it was out of control and way out to somebody. It was still under him. He just couldn't figure out that he had it covered or didn't have it covered. It was like a half second of him picking up his pad, almost thinking, like, wait, is it here? And when he thought that, it was the dude grabbed it and put it behind him. Yeah, it was it was the old Yaroslav Halak. I have no clue where the puck is right now. Mm-hmm. Is it in the net? Oh, it's in the uh, net. Oh, I love Yarrow. I still do. Maybe it's just all in retrospect. Because he's like our first goalie. And maybe because he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> But I do always remember him like looking behind the big him, look, like, "Why? Yeah. No, you should be in control." <laughs> yep, yep, that was him. Um, so yeah, so it was two one Capitals, but the Blues rallied back. First a goal by Colton Pareko. Pretty nice this goal. Peron passed to O'Reilly behind the net. O'Reilly hit Pareko streaking in the opposite side and buried the puck over Holpe's shoulder. This was a power play goal. And it shows how good our power play should be able to be, but it's not. Uh, but, but it could be, and Pareko could be really dynamic, and he can be, and has been, but isn't always. But He's getting more gooder. Um, (laughs) uh, This was a really nice goal, and it was followed up four minutes and ten seconds later by Oscar Sundquist's seventh goal of the season. Mm -hmm. You remember how we were all predicting that Oscar Sundquist would be on pace for, I don't know, 15 goals? Figure out how many goals he's on pace for in a whole season, because he's been injured a lot. I'll figure it out. You don't figure it out. I'll figure it out. Uh, he was in, Are you talking to me? He was in, yeah. One of us has to figure to it out. Um, figure it out, listeners. He was in a ni- nice net battle behind the net, uh, and he got it around to Gunnarsson, who had a weird, desperate, but effective pass across the ice to Alex Petrangelo. Um, Alex Petrangelo fired it hard, and it go, I think it went off Barbashev, and Sundquist saw the skittering rebound and knocked it in while falling over. The Blues were up 3-2. to two. Alex Petrangelo and Tyler Bozak would add goals to make it 5-2, to two, and I think it was a pretty convincing win mm-hmm. by the Blues overall. Do you have any deeper thoughts on that? Well, this was Carl Gunnarsson's first game back in, I don't know, 20-something games. Mm-hmm. And, uh, After being back for two or three. Yeah. <laughs> and he had a, I thought he had a really good game. He was plus four on the night, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of a steady defenseman back there. I think he pairs well with Petrangelo more than, I'd say, Bo Meester or almost anyone else on this team, really. And maybe that helps Petrangelo out. Um, this was also a seven defenseman game because Tarasenko is out sick. We looked really good. Tarasenko wasn't in, 
I don't know. Trade him. I don't know. Get rid of him. I'm not saying anything, but I'm also not saying anything. <laughs> Oscar Sundquist is on pace for 19 goals if he were playing. 19. <gasps> if he were playing a full season, so technically, oh. but like he only missed he missed less games than I thought, I guess, because he's played 30. So he must have not missed that many. But he was about to be a real D'Agostini. Oh yeah, he's going to be our hero for a year until he's not good oh. anymore. Remember when he had one move. Matt D'Agostino. Yeah. He yeah. skated up the right side. He was... And he just slappered it and would go in. And I was like, what? He was legitimately like my favorite blue for a period. Yeah. Um, the blues have 40... <laughs> Rest in peace to current real estate agent Matt D'Agostino. <laughs> Get you your condo in Banff. Do you think he's like BJ Crombie who like literally work as an accountant and they've interviewed him and he's like yeah i just don't really talk about my nhl time with people i'm like what <laughs> like is maybe he's deeply depressed what about like go up and i'm like hey vj remember you played for the blues remember like, when mm-hmm. you were traded in the was it the eric brewer deal to Tampa? Like the lightning yeah later weird so friggin' weird. Mm-hmm. It's weird that these guys' career just... Like, if you're a grinder, your career just ends. <laughs> and then, like, no a lo- I realize a lot of them stay scouts or commentators yeah. or something at some level of hockey. But two in ten of them, one in five of them, have to just go on to being, like, an accountant or well, mm. whatever, you know? Jay Bomeister. Exactly. Oh, Who just moonlights as a hockey player, <laughs> yeah. really. <laughs> I can't remember if I told this story on the podcast. I guess not, because it happened right before Christmas. Uh, I, the Blues posted a video of the players visiting sick kids at Children's Hospital. N- not just Sick Kids Hospital, which is what Toronto calls its Children's Hospital, which is great, but real weird to me as an American. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, the Blues players were visiting, and it had a lot of O'Reilly and Schwartz and and I think Bozak in the video, and they were showing these guys walking through. But there was literally, like, one shot of Jay Bomeister, and he didn't have a helmet, and he did have glasses on, and while he was wearing his jersey, I swear to you, without a word of a lie for like a good five seconds i was honest to god like why is that doctor wearing a blues jersey <laughs> and then i was like oh that doctor is jay bomeister he's the most unassuming and player. it wasn't even like it literally wasn't like our running joke of like he just looks like a normal yeah. human being i wasn't joking i for real didn't recognize that it was jay <laughs> bomeister for a couple of seconds um so yeah the blues outshot 42 uh, to 25, the Capitals, um, they had 68 face-off wins, 68% face-off wins. How many shots do we have in the third period? I we will tell them. you when I remember how to look that up. It's at the bottom here. Yeah. 14 to 2. Yes. Yeah, so it was job, it was thirteen to nine in the first, then nineteen to ten in the second, and then fourteen to two. They were flying. They were. I can't say they were necessarily playing like you know a smothering defense at all. It didn't look like it to mm-hmm. me. But when they got the puck, they were hustling it back in the offensive zone. I think as much effort as it was the Blues watching the Capitals play, they just had an abysmal time holding the Blues at their own blue line. Mm-hmm. It was really bad. We had. We had players in our end being able to just skate in over guys. I think we caught a lot of guys flat-footed. I mean, Tyler Bozak beat somebody, you know, speeding into the zone. That's pretty bad. <laughs> Sorry, guy, but get better. Not <laughs> but, not Tyler Bozak, the guy you beat. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I you know, 
I this want to team, believe. I want to believe. Here's what we know. I think there are two things that we can safely say about this team now. On the one hand, they have the talent to beat any team on any night and look pretty mm-hmm. good doing it. On the other hand, they won't. <laughs> they're not like... I, I, I think the simple answer is to say they're not a good team and just not think much more about it. Mm-hmm. But it's frustrating because then they'll have games like this or the 6-1 to one or whatever it was against Nashville and you'll be like, but where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Or more importantly, where does it go? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think it's where it came from because you're like, oh, it came from the number of really great players you have on the ice. It's more about where did it go? I do wonder if it's a mentality thing. O'Reilly touched on it after the Penguins game. Is it really just, or a big part of it is just that this team is mentally fragile? And, I mean, they've used the word themselves, but, like, even after wins, all of a sudden they just start believing their own hype, like, immediately. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, well, the next game will be a little bit easier because we know how to win now. But they don't because they don't put in the effort every game. I think they do need to take O'Reilly's words to heart and really treat every game as a brand new game. Don't play the Islanders and think, well, we beat the Stanley Cup defending winning Capitals. And now we can beat the Islanders. No, the Islanders are a different beast. They got different players. They're, like, it's a whole different thing. The last game doesn't matter anymore. And I hate saying that because I hate hearing players trap it out. It's true. It's just boring to listen to. They're mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is just one win. We, you know, got to look at the next game. But they really do. But they have to mean that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, when they say it, it's boring. <laughs> but, like, you really have to believe that yeah. as the player. As a fan, it's like, yeah, great. You don't want to talk about today very much even though that's the fun game I just watched. You know, let's talk about it. But they really have to put these games right behind them. Yeah. And and maybe they don't. Maybe they don't on either end. When they win a game, they don't put it behind them. They're too caught up in the win. And when they lose, they can't stop thinking about the loss. It's a weird, like... It feels like they're a weird mixture of cocky and fragile, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Because it's like, on the one hand, they get this one, and they're like, well, the Islanders should be a cakewalk. But then the second it's 2 nothing Islanders, they're like, it's over, we're (laughs) dead. And it's like, can't you find a middle gear there where even if it becomes 2 nothing Islanders, you're like, oh, well, we can make it 2-1 to one and chip away and get this 3-2 to two yeah. win or whatever. They're like me playing video games as a little kid. Either I have to win or the minute I'm losing, I guess I'll just walk away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Seriously, you just quit the game and restart it, but you can't because you're playing a real hockey yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I mean, I think when Chris Butler talked about it, we mentioned it at the time, his insight was really good of just they feel like they're broken and so the minute something goes wrong they have to crumble you Mm -hmm. know and they don't have the spine or the leadership to pull it out of them right Mm -hmm. now and so i mean i guess that's a good as as good a time as any i don't i don't know i don't want to i'm not trying to bury the guy we both watched that alex petrangelo post game interview Mm -hmm. that dude is strange (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like I, I don't care like he seems like he'd be a cool guy to hang out with or whatever yeah. but the guy is a little bizarre I know that Steve Dangle says he could cook his own meals at 18 or whatever but wait what 
Have you not heard that? He's no. talked a couple of times about the only thing he thinks about with Alex Petrangelo is that he interviewed him at one of the World Junior Camps yeah. when Petrangelo was there because uh, we we kept him on the team two years in a row to play him nine games over the course of three months, then send him to the World Juniors and then send him back to Juniors. <laughs> so at one of those times, uh, Dangle interviewed him, you know, yeah. and apparently all that people said to him was like, that kid's really mature. He lives on his own and cooks his own meals. <laughs> <laughs> and so he remembers that. And like, I... I don't care. I really don't care. Like like we've talked about with Dougie Hamilton, if he wants to be weird, if he wants to be eclectic, if he wants to be unique, great. He's a human being. He shouldn't have to be the heart and soul of this hockey team, but they did make him the captain. And I I mean, we tend to agree that the captain's more ceremonial or whatever, yeah. but it's not totally ceremonial. No, I think, I think both of those. Yeah. Like, he can be that way. But that's a weird person for a captain. Though. Yeah, and like, listen, I, I know there are people out there because I've interacted with some of them on Twitter, and they, I, they're entitled because I've never been Lovely a parent people. who don't want to hear this as an excuse. But I do wonder if we're kind of writing off too easily that he's a father of like four month old triplets. That's hard as hell. That's a big life change Mm -hmm. and I know you're supposed to just get up and go to work and do it and I know he's paid six and a half million dollars a year to do it but that's hard you know and that interview was weird to the extent that I'm like oh he didn't get any sleep last (laughs) night did he? He touches his face a lot. Yeah I, I mean I legitimately think he might not get that much sleep and he might just not be sharp this whole year and that maybe is just life right now for him. If it's like jumping jumping to the end of the story. If they trade Alex Petrangelo, I get it. And you should be able to get a haul for him. I still think between him and Tarasenko and really anyone else, he's the one I'm a little gun-shy on the most. Only because when you get something back for him, you have to get a defenseman. Mm-hmm. Like a, a really good defenseman back. Or like a young prospect that projects to be closest to him. Because we just don't have anyone in the pipeline. And I think at his best, he's like, the anchor back there. Yeah. Like, 100%. I think the thing with Tarasenko is, is like, I, as much as I love Tarasenko, yeah. you can replace a 40-goal score by having three 30-goal scores or, you know, yeah, three 25-goal yeah. scores. As weird as that is, and none of them are going to be as dynamic as he is, obviously, but, like, you can sort of... If you improve your whole roster by trading one guy like that, it sort of evens out. Mm-hmm. You can't really do that with a Petrangelo. He's like seventh in the league in minutes played over the past like four or five years. Mm-hmm. You can't replace that with Nikita Zaitsev, you know? You, you Excuse me. You can't replace that with Justin Falk, who I've talked about. Maybe they do a deal that involves Falk with the Hurricanes, and then they are free to trade Petrangelo. I mean, that helps. That's better mm-hmm. than just trading Petrangelo for nothing, but... You know, it's not great still. Yeah, I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying you the trade's got to be a home run. Because I think tonight he looked really good. I think tonight he actually looked a lot better being paired with, like, at least for little spurts of the game with Gunnarsson. Mm-hmm. I think he can be that. And I know Tarasenko can be himself, too. I'm just saying 
as much as people want to talk about trades, and I really do want changes on this team, you just really have to look at these trades long and hard because they are going to change the direction yeah. of your team completely. Yeah, and when it's in the toilet, it's easy to say, well, fine, change the direction, mm-hmm. but it might not be the best thing. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's good enough for game recaps for us. I, the Blues have 11 more games in January. The nice thing is is that in three weeks we'll know for sure yeah. whether this team is meaningful in any way. Like, if they go 6-6, six and six, they're just not. It's just done. You know, the, mm-hmm. the longer they're fine, um, <laughs> the longer that they're okay, they're uh, going to survive. You know, they're going to be out of the playoff hunt. I'm yeah. sorry, I lost my train of because, thought. Because uh, they're getting better. <laughs> they're getting gooder. Uh, so let's move on to some league news. This is a little bit of an old story, but I feel like we can't go oh, on yeah. without talking about Mr. Lights. Um, Jim Lights is the CEO of the Dallas Stars. He's the second in command to Tom Galliardi, their owner. Um, and he... Made an ass of himself. Mm-hmm. He made a terrific ass of himself. I'm going to read extensively from the Sean Shapiro Athletic article titled Stars Ownership Management, Ownership, comma, Management Go on Expletive Laden Tirade Over Poor Performance from Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. So, Lovely. if you're a parent out there and you're listening with children, we are expletive laden enough, so you probably shouldn't be. But just know that there's some potty language yeah. coming up. Also, like, I don't know. I'm not a parent, but, like, tend to your child. Don't listen to us first. <laughs> like, really. Also true. Bottom of the barrel. Alex, we know you have three kids to juggle. We love you, but tend to them. Or educate your children. Just know that if you're going to root for the blues, this is eventually what you become. <laughs> and, you know, advise them against that. Pick a better team. <laughs> so, the article starts WTF. That's the text that Dallas Stars CEO Jim White. That is not the expletive laden part of this article. Just to, for the record, like, really? that's the text that Dallas Stars CEO Jim White says he got. He gets five times per game from team owner Tom Galliardi. It happened again on Thursday night when he was watching, and this is important: the Stars two to nothing win against the Nashville Predators. <laughs> He's pissed, Light said on Friday afternoon, and you know what it's about. Here we go. They are fucking horseshit. I don't know how else to put it, Light said. The team was okay, but Sagan and Ben were terrible. The public frustration began during Thursday's morning skate when Stars coach Jim Montgomery told the team he was fucking embarrassed with the team's practice and where they were in the standings, which is a playoff position. (laughs) It was then, and it is now, in a division with two of the top five teams in hockey. For those in the Stars' office that starts with the captain and the players, with more job security than anyone else in the franchise. Back to Lights. I don't get it, Lights said. The good news is the coach got everyone else to go, and we found a way and we were able to make up for their lack of playing. 
Frustration has arisen throughout the organization about Ben and Sagan's play this season. They are currently ranked 57th and 67th in league scoring. Annoyance about the two players' uncharacteristic scoring issues bubbled to the surface, and Lights requested an interview with a couple of media members on Friday to make the concerns public. We are a stars-driven league. That's not capitalized, just generic (laughs) stars. And the and our stars aren't getting it done. Light says it's an embarrass it's embarrassing, and no one writes it. Write it. This guy sounds like a living Donald Trump tweet. <laughs> These guys are not good enough. They're not good enough for me. They're not good enough for the owners. They're not good enough for the fans, and they're not good enough for all our sponsors. And they're <laughs> certainly not good enough for the general manager, who I can't speak for. But it's not good enough for the job he's done. But we've had me. Meeting after meeting after meeting, the accountability on the ice is not there. These guys were signed to big contracts because they were the third and sixth leading scorer in the National Hockey League over the past five years. They get their money. We expect them not to be outplayed every game we play in. And if they were as good as they've been in the past, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Ben's making $13 million per season. Sagan has an eight-year extension kicking in next year at 78.8. It's not about how much money. It is about how much money. I don't resent the money. He does resent (laughs) the money. It's about what we expect the money to be. Better than this. You just can't win if your best players aren't your best players and they aren't best players. I am sick and tired of listening to bloggers and others talk about Brett Ritchie, Julius Honka, or Gavin Bay. Bayreuter or Taylor Fadoon. Man, pick a guy. We have not played this team this year. (laughs) No, we have not. I don't know any of these players. We're just too good. The fans deserve more, and the owner deserves more. And I share that opinion with the owner. The fans deserve better, and Ben and Sagan aren't getting it done. Until they do, we aren't going to be good enough. Uh, Ben and Sagan both commented after practice. Uh... Light said, Ben's the leader of the team. He stirs the drink, but he's not getting it done. He's got to get it done. Uh, about Sagan, people complain about how he's hit more posts than anyone in the league, like 48 or some ridiculous Damn. number. He says, he's hitting po- posts. Wah, wah. That's what I say about hitting <laughs> posts. Serious? Yes. Gets a little, well, I mean, it says wah, wah, but I yeah, assume yeah. it's wah, wah. Get a little bit closer to the action. Actually go to the spot where you score goals. Jim Light's having scored a lot of goals in his prestigious NHL career that doesn't exist. He doesn't do that. He never does that anymore. He used to be a pest to play against. People hated playing against Tyler Sagan. They don't anymore. That's like when we talk about how this building used to be tough to play in and it isn't anymore. (laughs) These guys have been great players, but we're 40 games into this season and they aren't getting it done. We're going to sleepwalk to another 14 place from the bottom and miss the playoffs. 14th place from the bottom, I mean, I guess he means just barely missing the playoffs. What? That was a weird way to say that. We know about weird ways to say things, and that was a weird way to say that. Yes. Before his interview, Lights prefaced the whole conversation in two ways. First off, this was all on the record. Second, he said that throughout his career, he's never publicly commented on player performance, but with how bad Ben and Sagan have been, this season, he couldn't sit by and watch the franchise get shortchanged by two players. Quote, final quote. I take a lesson from Bob Gainey here. He said you'd be really successful in this league if you never gave a shit about being invited to players' daughters' weddings. And that's what I think. Which, but is that common? Like, 
Is that a common phrase? Is, what, is, is that <laughs> common? Is like, is Alex Petrangelo going to invite Chris Zimmerman to his daughter's wedding? I don't know. By the way, you're right. It's Chris well, is it Chris? Thank you. I don't give a fuck. I'm here to year guy, and I'll be damned if a guy who has been as good to me as Tom Galliardi, as good to this franchise, isn't getting results, and those players aren't getting you do- getting it done. And here's the headline, folks. Listen closely if your name's Jim Nil, Jim Nil. I'm telling you, we are going to run through a GM who does everything he can to make the team better because we aren't getting results. Thoughts? <laughs> um, one, if you're in the post a bunch, like, that's really bad, and you should work on something, like, in the sense that you're not scoring, but you're beating the goal. I don't know. Like, when you're hitting that many, I guess it's both good and bad. I don't know. It seems like a weird, a weird thing to hone in on. Secondly, and I'm not even, like, commenting on this guy's quotes yet. Jamie Ben did, like, we don't have any insider knowledge, but didn't um, Elliot Friedman say something about how he thought Dallas was getting fed up with Jamie Ben, like at the mm-hmm. beginning before the season started? Mm-hmm. That he had some weird inkling or had like talked to people, and he didn't really say anyone said it necessarily. But like Dallas was just tired of Jamie Ben. Do you think when he said that he meant like these two people Probably. were tired of Jamie Ben? Probably. Holy crap! Like I. I kind of applaud this guy for just not giving a fuck and just saying whatever he wants to say. And, like, I'm being right that they are, like, being... They're overpaid for this year and they're playing poorly. But also, like, I saw a lot of Blues fans say, like, I wish, like, Tom Stillman would come out and say that about players or whatever. No, you don't. No, you don't. Do you know how isolating that is for a player and how much, like they want out at that point. Like, you have a lot of damage control to do with that player. As you just, like, ruined how they feel about the team they're on. They might like the players they're playing with and the staff, you know, they see every day, but they do not feel good about this organization anymore. It's interesting from afar, but when you're on the team, when you're a fan of the team, this is terrible. This is not good. Even if it is a player that deserves to be, like, called out. This is not how you want to do it. This is one of the few times I would say, this is the type of thing that needs to happen in the organization, quietly, behind closed doors. Those are my thoughts. As I finish this peanut M&M that's being ASMR'd into the microphone. Mm. (laughs) Was that good for people? Mm -hmm. Sorry, we lost all our listeners. (laughs) Let's talk about this reasonably. Tyler Sagan is not paying, playing for this franchise two years from now. Jamie Benn is not playing for this franchise two years from now. How could they be? How can you per- move past this? This is, I mean, I'm sure stuff like this has happened in pro sports history, yeah. but it doesn't, and it shouldn't. If Jim Montgomery wants to say this stuff or anything approximating this stuff about... Uh, Tyler Sagan or Jamie Benn, he at least has the social capital, the personal relationship mm-hmm. with it with those guys to do it, but he's also not going to do it because he's not an asshole. And Tom, Jim Lights, I almost called him Tom Stillman, Jim Lights is a friggin' coward. He's a coward for saying these things publicly because he knows, he knows one thing, and I'm stealing this directly from 
Steve Dangle's podcast, so I apologize, but he knows this. If the Stars go on a big run now, get red hot, and win a bunch of games, what are they going to say? What's the media going to say? It's going to say, Jim White's galvanized this team. Oh, Jim White's galvanized this team. If the Stars miss the playoffs, they're 14th from the bottom, and Ben and Sagan don't pick it up, what's the media going to say? Jim White was right about this team. He gets to be the hero mm. either way because he's a coward sitting in his ivory tower talking shit about players playing a game he's never played that he probably doesn't really understand. How do you do this after a two to nothing shutout of the I, one of the best teams in hockey. Mm-hmm. Anton Hudobin had a 49-save shutout. He had the best performance of his entire career, and nobody talked about it. Nobody gets to talk about it because Jim White stole that from him. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't expect to be this angry, but I'm really angry. If you're Miro Heiskanen, are you signing an extension with this friggin' team? You're going to watch him trade Tyler Sagan. You're a rookie all-star. You're so frigging good at hockey that you are a rookie who is going to the all-star game. And I know someone out there is saying, well, because Sagan and Ben aren't doing good. Shut up! (laughs) You're going to the all-star game. You're going to watch this team trade Sagan. You're going to watch this team trade Ben. And then you're going to say to yourself, if I sign a big contract here to be the next big star, I'm going to get the same treatment. This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen anyone do. (laughs) And at first I did kind of have that same reaction where I was like, oh, shit. You know, like, what if Doug Armstrong did this? And then it's like, oh, I know why Doug Armstrong doesn't do this, because he's not a moron. For another thing, like, what? okay, so now what if they do want to trade Ben and Sagan? Where's their leverage? I mean, their leverage is that those are great players, but they have no other leverage. They don't have any ability to tell someone, well, we don't really want to trade him, but if the price is right, you do really want to trade him. And, to, and this whole defense he made about it's not about the money. Oh, F off. It's totally well, it's about like, the money. That's all he cares about. That's You're all you CEO. care about. If these guys were performing this well and being paid $4 million a year, you'd be praising them as the best players on the team, even as you know average as they're playing right now. It's just... The, t- the franchise has done nothing to develop talent. They got themselves in that goaltending disaster that they had there for three or four years. Granted, maybe you give them an out because Kari Lettinen just fell off the face of the earth, but they also locked up Antti Niemi for however long or traded for him for however much he had. They had... I haven't... I mean, I don't have it in front of me, but there's been a lot of research into their draft record this past year. It's terrible. It ain't very good. It's terrible. Lately, it's getting a little better, maybe, but it's been terrible. And I just... I don't know how either Tyler Sagan or Jamie Benn can recover from this and just be great Dallas stars in the long run. Yeah. I just... If they play better, they don't get any credit. If they play as bad, they're now the center of attention. I mean, think about how much heat 
That's a lot of pressure on two guys that already are underperforming. Look at it this way. Think about how much heat Alex Steen takes in this fan base. And I'm not saying it's fair or unfair. I don't care. I'm, I'm not really trying to make a judgment. But look at all the heat that gets directed his way at by this fan base because of rumor and innuendo on the internet for a tertiary player, a secondary player at best, who's been with the franchise for 10 years and plays a pretty clearly defined role. And yet a lot of people say he's the problem with this team. He needs to get out. Imagine if he was making $78 million. I know his contract's bad, but it's not that bad. <laughs> over the next eight years. And he was supposed to be the superstar. And then imagine if the rumor in innuendo was Chris Zimmerman saying Alex Dean is fucking horseshit. And then you have roughly this situation. I just... Like... Cool, because it's an exciting thing to talk about. Mm. Yippee. I'm glad. But, like, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And as I think Nick Caprios or some other people have said, imagine if a player had said this about an executive. It can't. Oh, yeah, it could never happen. They'd be gone immediately. So, like, it's it's just it's just shitty to me. It's just a shitty situation. I don't know. I really, I honestly apologize because I didn't expect to get as mad as I got well, there. Well, it just kind of seems silly. It's like if you're the CEO of Coke and Coke sucks, and you're like, yeah, I know Coke sucks, and I hate that Coke sucks. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, you're just shit-talking your own product. <laughs> like, that. we, everyone, I mean, I don't think everyone knows the stars stink or anything. Like you said, they're in a playoff spot. But, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, they see that Ben and Sagan are bad. You don't, Like, no one's hiding that. That's The stats show it. There's no, like... What's the point? Again, What's the point of just going on this tirade? We all know. And again, for a team that is in a playoff spot, that beat Nashville two to nothing. Yeah, those dudes are barking up the I'd be tree. over the moon if we beat Nashville two to nothing. And so Tyler Sagan has thirty six points in forty one games. I mean, that's not Tyler Sagan good, but it's not bad. <laughs> Just a little under a point. He's per a game. plus thirteen. He has a four point two point share. Let's see when were these comments made on the twenty third. Since then, he has four, he has four points in his last three games. So maybe that's all because of Jim. Ooh, Wines. good job. But that means that before that, he was what he had thirty two points in. 40 in 38 games that's not much worse plus six plus 13 he's a 4.2 point share he's got a Corsi four percentage of 50.2 which isn't great but I mean he's not I just don't get it I just don't what this would pretty much what does this profit you this would be like Chris Zimmerman screaming that Vladimir Tarasenko right now is like dog shit and needs to do better and you're like yeah yeah, you know what? And actually, Vladimir Tarasenko is probably doing worse than, than either of these than guys. Sagan is for sure. Ben has thirty-two points in forty-one games as a plus six and has a four-point-one point share, and also has a fifty-point-three Corsi four percentage. I mean, I think well, if this was like from the GM or maybe the coach, I would think for sure there's something weird going on. But because it's the CEO and they're so far removed, I'm a little hesitant to say that. But part of me does think is but, there just something weird going on? Here's the problem. You know that it's directly from the owner. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, they said the owner texts them, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. 
which I think is hilarious. Like what, that's hilarious. What, yeah, that's that like, that on like, its own is hilarious. That's like you and me being the owners. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> you seen this team we own? Like, and I do like I was like so basically spoke for Jim Nill, and then goes, but I'm not speaking for Jim Nill. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because let's talk more about the part at the end where he said. We're gonna have to run a GM that's been good out of his out of at his job out of town because we're not getting the results. You make that decision, man. If I, <laughs> man, if I was Jim Nell, I'm reading this like this is really messed up. This is some weird shit. And then, and then the you get end, to the end, doing them Scooby Doo's like what? <laughs> Say what? Yeah. I mean, it's. I don't. <laughs> You make that call. Yeah, like we you made us. That's run your out. job. <laughs> You're the weird people that hired Ken Hitchcock for a year, not us. Dude, not rich, Jim Nill. Rich old people do this weird thing where like, you're gonna make me do this with all my money. And like, no no, 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 no. We're Eugene, <laughs> we're not making you move your McDonald's team. You're gonna make me do it. If you if you're forcing my hand, Bobby, I gotta go. Yeah, I'd be like, no, that's I'm... apparently what Eugene Mel makes yeah, up, yeah, and he calls everyone Bobby. Hey, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, we all agree, right? right? Jim Lights, bad man. Was that your transition? <laughs> well, we've got one more thing to talk about. Let's talk you about. Just ran with it. I should have. You know it. what? I blew, I blew it. I blew it. I'm sorry. We'll do a big, extensive edit. But everyone will hear it. <laughs> starting now. Well, let's talk about the Peter Chiarelli trades real quick first. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> Next subject. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I mean, we don't need to dwell on it. This weekend, he got two bad defensemen for the price of an okay <laughs> defenseman, a pick, and a good forward. They need to, like... Bolt the doors to his office and keep him out of his office. Somebody tweeted, I don't, and I don't have them in front of me, or I'd make them the tweet of the week. They're the honorary tweet of the week <laughs> because it was a tweet about I picture Shirelli outside the Rogers Center oh, yeah. smoking a cigarette <laughs> in a leather jacket, and as he takes the last drag of the cigarette, he puts it out with his foot, takes a deep breath, and says. Game time, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> this dude has made so many bad trades that it is ridiculous that he wasn't fired, I don't know, three years ago? He's been in he's been in uh, Edmonton for three years, since 2015. Mm-hmm. Now I guess going on four. Good God, why? He shouldn't have been hired after he got fired from Boston. Mm-hmm. He made bad trades in Boston. Oh my goodness. Oilers fans... I don't know how that whole city's just not on suicide watch. Like, seriously, what an awful GM. And awful ownership, too, because it's not Pete. Oh, oh, there's Why so many different Why is he still there of, if it's oh, not yeah. ownership, you know? That's like a weird rudderless ship filled with former Oilers that have, like, no idea what they're doing. And I mean that sincerely. Like, they really don't it's seem like, to know anything. It's like the Blues front office on crack with much higher stakes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, how can they let this happen? You're like a can you're a Canadian at least former sort of dynasty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How does this go on this long? You've had four first overall picks. One of them's gone. Two of them are gone. And it's and you've had the best one too. 
that's still there, Connor McDavid. And you're they still are squandering Connor McDavid. I've thought about that. Let's He's like, got to leave. At what point do they have to trade him? Well, well, here's the thing. At what point does 21-year-old piss and vinegar Connor McDavid freaking grab? Um, what's his name? I can see his ugly face. What's their owner's name? Oh, I can't remember his name. Um, the one that uh, vacations in the Seattle. The rapey guy. Um, whatever his name is. You know his name. All you people know you his know. name. Uh, grab him by the neck and, like, say, listen here, you little puke. Make some changes or I'm gone. That's the dude that can do the gym lights and yell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is fucking horseshit. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not saying John Tavares did or didn't do that, but yeah. the Islanders certainly didn't seem to think he did that. And now one, he's gone. This is the one time I wish hockey players weren't hockey players. Yeah. if this were like football or the oh NBA. Oh my god! They'd be like, "Give me the fuck." Can you imagine here. if the if if Connor McDavid had an equivalently good quarterback? Well, actually, Aaron Rodgers did get his coach fired this <laughs> year, so there's an example of it. Didn't Jack Eichel get his coach fired yeah, when he less. hadn't proven shit in this league yet? <laughs> I mean, do something. Come on. Uh, so bad up there. I can't so, believe it. Since Ian made that wonderful transition about the worst person in hockey, let's transition to <laughs> our unofficial, official 2GNC Galactic <laughs> Supremacy <laughs> Awards of... 2018! I think we won an award for just folding work. <laughs> and the first award goes to Ian and Steven for the best name and drum roll to introduce an award segment on a St. Louis-based hockey podcast this week. <laughs> Great. Great stuff. <laughs> now, you have a, a format for how we're going to discuss these awards. Mm-hmm. Would you like to describe it to our people and me? <laughs> Yeah, it was more just like the fact that we ran polls for each of these, and we'll talk about what fans think for their answers. Most of, these. of them, a few we don't have polls. Okay, for, a few we don't. That's right. But it's more to get a, a fan reaction. But we, me and Steve, were just going to kind of discuss and take turns cutting different nominees until we were left with one standing, more yep. or less. It works better with long lists, so there's a few on here that have a lot more on them that I'm excited to get to. So yeah, we'll start with worst hockey person, which is really anyone related to hockey or in hockey. You'll see with who we got here. And the nominees are, would you like to read them or shall I? Eugene Melnick, the owner of the Ottawa Senators. We should do a very Oscar style. Eugene Melnick for running the Ottawa Senators <laughs> into the ground. 100% we was audible, <laughs> okay. yes. Oh, God. Well, you... let's just do I'll just do it. Austin Watson for beating a woman. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Tom Wilson for beating a woman. No. Austin, Tom Wilson for... Repeated attempted manslaughter on the ice. Is there a thing, such a thing as attempted manslaughter? I think I that's think kind so. of an oxymoron. It's attempted murder. I guess so, but manslaughter is like you weren't attempting it in the first place. So. Oh, I see. And gym lights for being fucking horseshit. <laughs> so, uh, you want to show? Shall I nominate an el- an eliminee? I think we can we can agree that as much as I got angry at Jim Lights, it's not him, right? Yeah, he's a, a guy weird. that's drunk on power who said some real shitty stuff. 
and and <laughs> don't worry, there were just ghost lights Steven in the backyard. Saw a specter in the backyard. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I mean, he said some crappy stuff. Plus, he got it right in under the wire, and you know how sometimes <laughs> that stuff that comes out right around award season doesn't get the consideration mm, it should. So, uh, Jim White's will knock him out. Who would you like to knock out? Oh man! Don't do the one I don't want you to. Well, that's hard. There's three, and you know what? They're all kind of in like a weird. You ever seen one of them? Uh, one of them Venn three-way Venn diagrams. Uh-huh. It's like each one of these people, Melnick, Watson, is uniquely Wilson, horrible. Uniquely horrible, but they each like share a thing between all three of them. All horrible, can, and then they each share like a thing with one other person. Can I? Can I make a case for who I would eliminate? Let me let me pick in my mind, and then I'll let you make okay. a case. Um, okay, I know who I'm going to eliminate, or who I want to. Go I, ahead. I would eliminate Austin Watson. <gasps> and here's what, here's what. He did the worst thing. Yeah. No question. Yeah. By a thousand billion miles, he did the worst thing. There's no debating that. We tore into him when we first played the Predators and when he got his suspension reduced. So please don't hear me saying what I'm not saying. But he did his thing one time in one stupid moment where he was, I think he was drunk. I think we know that he was drunk. Mm -hmm. And his wife or girlfriend has since made comments that may have been untrue, but sort of trying to exonerate him. My thinking is that he did the worst thing, but he's not the worst person. But who were you going to say? Melnick, probably? I was going to take out Melnick just because I was like, you know, he's done some done some shady crap, and he's overall just a bad owner. But I was like, and, and he, to be fair, moving a team or doing all this stuff does hurt people. I, wanna, but I was like, but he's not physically hurting anyone. I think there's an argument, though, that Eugene Melnick is the Bond villain of this bunch. Yeah. Like, he's the only one that might tie someone to a table with a laser cutting up between their <laughs> legs. I, I'll, I'll cut Austin Watson. That was my other one between the two, just because they were so different. So, I think I think we'll ultimately probably agree with the poll here on this mm-hmm. one. <sighs> Eugene Melnick, to me, is a unique kind of terrible in that Eugene Melnick thinks Eugene Melnick is real cool. <laughs> he, he wears sure his little jersey. <laughs> he says his little speeches. He's got Mike, Mark Berwecki's nephew locked in a basement <laughs> to keep full control over him. He, he's just bad in every way, and maybe I'm, maybe I've got PS, PTSD from the Cronky era, and just hate bad owners instinctively, and so I've got added resentment to him. But boy, do I hate Eugene Melnick. But let's be honest, the winner should probably be Tom Wilson. And why is that? Well, I believe he was suspended three times in the last year. Three times at least in the last like year and a half. And then very closely tried to murder at least two different people within that time as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, disfigured Oscar Sunglist. He never looked like this before, people. He was a darker shade. He had no sort of nose like that. He was a whole different person. He's really just got a scar on his face. Um, and a goal in his stick. Yeah, and apparently... And a song in his heart. I mean, Tom Wilson did knock the goals into Oscar Sundquist, let's be honest here. Oscar Sundquist 
saw his life flash before his eyes, and he said, man, I've never scored a goal, more than one goal ever in the NHL. I need to do that. And so now he scored seven this season. Mm-hmm. So thanks, Tom Wilson. <laughs> you fixed. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Tom Wilson is unapologetic. He's psychopathic. Mm-hmm. Sociopathic. One or the other. He's pathic. Um, As Cam Jansen would say, he's a self-described fucking psychopath. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a lunatic on the ice. He's getting paid $5.3 million a year because he tries to murder people. He has no remorse, and he'll never change. And I was like, he'll do it again, 100%. A thousand percent. So, Tom Wilson, congratulations. Come up and accept your unofficial official Galactic Supremacy Award, or the OOGs, as we call them. Yeah. The TGNC OOGs. Rolls right off the top. <laughs> and uh, for the record, the fans, the fans, the listeners agree with us on Twitter. 52% of 91 votes go to Tom Wilson uh, with Austin Watson uh, getting second with 31% of the vote. No surprise there. Uh, Jim White's gets five, Eugene Melnick gets 12. No surprise there. And again, Austin Watson did the worst thing. Mm-hmm. No questions asked. But it was, and I'm, it's not an excuse, but it did happen in a moment, and maybe he's not the worst person on the list. Um, Good way of putting it. That's my thinking, and someone probably hates me for that saying that, and I kind of understand. Uh Let's move on to Best Blues Youngster. Not a close race. Mm-mm. Not a close race. <laughs> uh, I think we phrased it on Twitter as, which St. Louis Blues Youngster who has played in the NHL this season are you most excited for? The options were Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, Oscar Sunquist, and Zachary J. B-R-Q-N-S Sanford. I mean, Robert Thomas for being Bo Horvat. Yes. Jordan Kyrou for oh, being me, a yes. better Tyrati. <laughs> Oscar Sundquist for being... Being the new Oscar Sundquist. Yeah, being Swedish, but not like a conventionally good-looking Swede. <laughs> you know, really like a character the, he's, role. He's the one in ten. There's one in ten Swedes who has to be super ugly to make up for all the other Swedes. <laughs> I wasn't going to say the They word, got all the bad genes. It. And Zach Sanford for being the guy we had to have. <laughs> Um, you eliminate one. Um, I think, I think it has to be Zach Sanford first. I mean, and to his credit, he was a surprise this year too. For a week, he looked awesome. Yeah, he looked great there with, who is it, O'Reilly and Perron? Perron? Yeah. He had a lot more going for him than I ever saw, like, except for maybe the first game he ever played with the Blues, had like a sick little assist. Mm. And I was like, oh boy, is this what we got? This is what we had to have. I got you now, Dougie. (laughs) But, um... Yeah, I think he cut Sanford first. I think he still has a role on this team, I think. He'll mm-hmm. still be around. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, I think we can cut... Oh, gee. <laughs> I mean, we know who's winning, but who should be in third is a little bit of a question. Uh, I will say we can cut Oscar Sundquist. 
Do you disagree? We can discuss. Here's the thing. Jordan Cairo actually does still have the higher ceiling. Oh, 100%. But he's had less success in the NHL this year, so depending on how you want to read this, I was going to give Jordan Cairo the benefit of the doubt because he's had a great day being nominated the AHL Player of the Week and an AHL All-Star earlier today. So things are swinging in his direction. But Oscar Sundquist has been more surprisingly exciting, I would say. I think if Jordan Cairo had just been playing fine in the AHL and not really like his best hockey all of a sudden I'd say Oscar Sundquist gets second just because I think he's completely like you said surprised us and I think he's worked himself into really being a I don't know a player on the fourth line a that we can count fine on fine bottom six yeah, forward. Yeah. yeah I mean before he was literally <coughs> one of the bodies he was just a body and he was the like, bodiest of yeah, the he, bodies yeah he was and now he's actually turned into a player that, like, I see his name and it's not just some dude. Because, man, last year, 100% he was just some dude. Oh, yeah. But, like you said, Kyrie's got the higher ceiling <clears throat> and he's been playing lights out down in uh, San Antonio. So, yeah, some quest in third, Kyrie in second. And there's no surprise that the one and only Robert Thomas has gotten back to good and has headlined. So gooder. Yeah, much gooder. Back to Double, gooder. That's uh, his name. That's his. That's his Matchbox Twenty song. Double plus gooder. Back to gooder. Um, yeah, I mean Robert Thomas. He's starting to show every reason why people were so excited for him to begin with. Mm. He uh, he's so smooth. He's he thinks the game so well. He's a lot more. He's a way better skater yeah, than I thought. He's a lot more dynamic than I thought he would be. Yeah, I thought he was really going to be kind of your, I don't know, straightforward two-way center and be like, you know, have some skill, but really just kind of be the worker bee. Mm. And I mean, he is that, but at the same time, it's like, whoa, he can pass really well, which I guess we already knew, but like you said, yeah, a lot speedier, a lot more fleet of foot. And as you said, could well have 30 points by the end of the year, which doesn't sound that great, but for a crafty player who started the year on the, or crafty player, for a crafty team who started him on the fourth line and Gave him a lot of shuffling in the early going and took him a while to get his feet under. It'd be pretty I think good. 30 points he's going to be really and, good. I mean, he, he could take off. He's playing mostly on the middle six lines or middle six pairings. He mm-hmm. could do even better than that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's no no surprise. Robert Thomas won seventy six percent of the vote on Twitter. Uh, Kyrou in second, and Sanford rounding it out with just two percent. Oscar Sundquist eight percent of the vote. Nobody would have said that before the year. So hey, mm-hmm. most exci- most exciting most exciting future star in the NHL. You chose these names, uh, so I you, you I, chose these. <laughs> they're bad. Now, Elias Sam, Elias Peterson. Wow, oh there was a little WWE slip of the tongue there for you. You're welcome, folks. Who wants to walk with Elias? All of us. Anyway, Elias Peterson for being the new golden boy for the Vancouver Canucks and being a man among children. Brady Kachuk for being probably the third best Kachuk. Um, <laughs> Jack Hughes for being that guy who is going to have to fight off Capo Caco for the first overall pick. And Capo Caco for being that guy who's finished. <laughs> uh, the nominees have been named. Ian, why don't you give us your first eliminee? Eliminee? Sure. Um, I, I guess I'll I'll cut 
What do you think about Kachuk? I think I'll cut Kachuk. Yeah, I mean, I think Kachuk is a good young player. But I don't think he's like a franchise cornerstone possible type I think he'll player. be really good for Ottawa. I think Ottawa's trying yeah. really hard to believe he's a franchise cornerstone. Mm-hmm. But I think his ceiling is being Matthew Kachuk, and I'm not sure Matthew Kachuk is a franchise cornerstone. Mm-hmm. They're like Brad Marchand. Brad Marchand's an incredibly good player, but if he doesn't have Patrice Bergeron and David Pasternak, is he enough to carry the Bruins? I'm not convinced. Uh, although somebody on Twitter, I think it was Fabry's hair maybe, or Mr. Blue's hat said, uh, Pietrangelo for Marchand, who says no. And I think he was being facetious because the Bruins would obviously say no. Yeah. But some Blues fans said no, and I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I would do it. But anyway, uh, so yeah, let's get rid of Brady Kachuk. Is it my turn next? Yep. This is tough. This is tough. I mean, I I know the least about Capo Caco. Mm-hmm. I know he's supposed to be special. I know he's Finnish, and I know he's got the most alliterative name maybe in the history of hockey. He's great for that. I think he's probably like a, you know, kind of a Patrick Line. And yeah. I think he's more of a playmaker than Line is, more of a complete player, but... Um, so better than Lyon. Yeah, best already. Already better than Lyon. Sorry, Winnipeg. Yeah, sorry. You swung and missed on that one. Um, although the way Hellebuck's been playing lately, they might uh, might get another draft pick. No, they won't. <laughs> anyway, uh, I will tentatively eliminate Capo Caco uh, because he's currently the presumptive second pick, although that could change. Mm. He could be the Nico he sure to Jack Hughes' Nolan Patrick. That's true. Oh. Pedersen. How are you holding up? <laughs> oh. My psoriasis. Um. You know what? Most exciting future star for me. I think I would cut Pedersen. Oh, snap! I think I'd cut Pedersen and make it Jack Hughes. And for one reason only. We're not going to get Elias Pettersson, <laughs> but we could get Jack Hughes. There we go. I'm down with that logic. Elias Pettersson did win 40% of the fan vote, mm-hmm. uh, but 36% did go to Jack Hughes, so it was very close. Uh, Kachuk and Kako got 14% and 10% respectively. Uh, but I'm down with that. Hey, Jack Hughes could be a blues, so let's hope. Here's hoping. Um Next, Eric Johnson. Come on down. We never play the happy version. So that's true. Worst trade. Should we call this the Peter Chirelli Honorary Award for Lifetime Achievement and Worst Trading? Might as well. Because he's, well, can you name an award after someone who's a nominee in the category? (laughs) Although I don't know that he is in this one. I don't think he actually is. So, yeah, we can. Um, Good job, Peter. So we named six or so of these on here, uh, but we named four on the poll. But let's talk about the six or seven that you named. Uh, and start with Max Domi for Alex Galchenyuk. We thought it was a bad trade in one direction, and then it became a bad trade in the complete opposite oh, direction. Uh, Max Domi has been incredibly good for the Canadians, and Alex Galchenyuk has hardly gotten out of first gear. I think he's maybe finally starting to wake up yeah. down there a little bit, but yikes. Um, 
We've got Mike Hoffman traded um, to the Sharks along with Cody Donahue in a 2020 fifth round pick for Mikel Bodker, Julius Bergman in a 2026 round pick. Um, it would be embarrassing enough on its own right, except that they then immediately flipped Mike Hoffman to the Carolina or to the Florida Panthers uh, for a much nicer return. I don't have it in front of me, um, but it was an embarrassing loss uh, on a season of embarrassing losses for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, we have also Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin uh, for Michael Furland, Dougie Hamilton, and Adam Fox. Who would you say that has been a loss for so far? The okay. Hurricanes? Yeah, I'd say the Hurricanes. Since Lindholm has been I mean, incredible this year. I put it in there as it's probably okay, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's more the fact that Hamilton and Furlan have been all right, but Lindholm's just been so good in Calgary that it's like, oh, it does not look good in uh-huh. retrospect. Yeah, exactly. Um, Jeff Skinner for Cliff Pooh, a second-round pick. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Cliff Pooh, nice. And a third-round and sixth-round pick in 2020. Um, Jeff Skinner is second, I think, still behind Alex Ovechkin in the scoring race. and Ridiculous. Adam and Cliff Pooh is not. Um, <laughs> Max Pacioretty for Thomas Tatar, prospect Nick Suzuki, and a second-round pick in 2019. You want to talk about this one a little more? Yeah, I think it's just funny because it's a two-parter. I mean, the Pacioretty for Tatar, as Pacioretty's coming on in Vegas, but Tatar was playing super well for the Canadians, almost like right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, last trade deadline, the uh, Vegas Golden Knights traded for Thomas Tatar from the Red Wings for a 2018 first-round pick, a 2019 second-round pick, and a 2021 third-round pick. So really, they lost all these picks, and then also Nick Suzuki and a second-round pick from Max Pacioretty. Yeah. So four picks, Suzuki, and all that for Patches. And Patches doing okay, but that's a lot. That's an awful lot. It's It's a good amount, for sure. It's not great. Um... Yeah, I mean, I the patches trade on its own, not terrible, because he's heating up, but yeah, the whole package with Tatar, what a weird, like, panic deadline move that was. What a we- It seemed weird at the time. Yeah. You know a trade's bad when your initial reaction is like, wow, <laughs> for Thomas Tatar? Yeah. Like, I kind of wanted us to get Thomas Tatar, but apparently I didn't. Um and apparently that's just the package they offered for Eric Carlson at the deadline, which, not the same player, Georgie, <laughs> just so you know. Um, but anyway, so uh, the final two, Carl Hagelin for Tanner Pearson, trading a player with future potential for yeah. a nobody that you're going to flip at the deadline. Just a weird one. Weird. Why? I don't know how well Tanner Pearson's done, and I know he had a, at least a point against us, but just seemed like an odd move for a team that's super old in LA. Getting yeah. rid of a young piece, it's like for an older piece too. It's like okay. Yeah, for sure. And then the final one that I added at the end there was the old Eric Carlson to San Jose for a number of prospects you've never heard of, including I believe Rudolph Balsers. Rudolph. Bolsers. Um, Tanner Pearson, by the way, has nine points in 24 games in Pittsburgh, which isn't great, but it's a lot better than his one point in 17 games with the Kings this year. So, um, yeah, so we threw those up. The th- four we threw up on Twitter uh, ended up being Domi for Galchenyuk, uh, Hoffman to San Jose, uh, 
specifically, as in trading him to San Jose for nothing and then getting him flipped. Eric Carlson traded to San Jose and Jeff Skinner to Buffalo. And this was our closest <laughs> poll, I think, overall. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much a dead heat between... Je- uh, well, I guess we have to eliminate some. Yeah. Uh, but I guess we can talk about the poll since it doesn't really settle anything. Yeah. Pretty much a de- dead heat between Skinner and Hoffman here. Probably one vote separating them. And Carlson is just a vote or two behind those. Uh, and Domi was still 14% of the vote. So very close. Uh, why don't we eliminate a couple off the bat here? I think we can get rid of Hagwin for Pearson. Yeah. It was weird, but it's not like catastrophic. No, no, no. Um. I th- I think we can probably get rid of Lindholm, that yeah. whole deal, because he's been nah. really good, but they've still got some pieces. That's not that a bad can, trade for Carolina. They can flip Hamilton for a lot if they decide to or whatever. Um, so, yeah, so talk about some of the other ones. Uh, I think I would cut Domi for Gouch, because I think Gouch will be fine mm-hmm. down in Arizona. I think you'll catch on. I think he I was injured a little to start yeah. the season. So. And I can't really say I believe that Domi's going to stay as hot Red as he hot. has been. Yeah. In fact, I think he's cooling off already, so mm-hmm. I don't think it's a terrible <clears throat> trade by any means, so I'd cut them. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think you can look at, uh, let's see, what's left here. Ah, man, the Hoffman trade is really bad. I guess we can eliminate maybe the Pacioretty trade, although the Tatar one may be the worst just value for value. Yeah, Um, But it's it's also not the franchise-changing trade that some of these other ones are. Yeah, I suppose. I think value-wise it's pretty terrible. Yeah, I mean, if you want to keep it in there, let's keep it in there. I think I would put... Oh, God, what I would cut first... I, I guess I'd cut Hoffman before them, honestly, just because it's a bad trade, but like also they kind of knew they weren't going to get much for him anyway. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I'd keep Hoffman in there is that they, or that I wouldn't get rid of Hoffman. What am I trying to say? The only reason I'd keep Hoffman yeah. is that it's their fault that they made this weird decision yeah. that they couldn't trade with the Eastern Conference. But I think other than that, yeah, you had to get rid of him, so I'd say we can let him go for sure. Okay. I think then I would cut Tatar. I think Tatar would be third okay. overall. And we're left with the Eric Carlson trade and the Jeff Skinner trade. Yeah. Um, let's see. I <clears throat> would probably lean Jeff Skinner here because Eric Carlson hasn't actually been that great. I know, which is... A- and the returns were comparably bad. Mm-hmm. But the difference to me was Ottawa knew they were going to be terrible this year. They knew Carlson was leaving because they weren't going to pay him. Mm-hmm. And they still should have gotten a lot more. They bungled the hell out of it. <clears throat> but Carolina didn't have to trade Jeff Skinner. And now they're looking for a goal scorer very publicly. And struggling when they could have been great. And I'm not saying Skinner would have scored 27 goals for them. I think it's pretty obvious that he wouldn't have. But, man, that's just a terrible trade. Yeah, I think it has to be the Jeff Skinner I mean, you've already made Cliff Poo's career 
career, like his career defense is that he, or his career definition is that he's the guy that was traded for <laughs> Jeff Skinner. Hey, at least he won't be known for having poo. <laughs> That's true. I mean, he found a way around that, so congratulations, Quiff. But yeah, Skinner did win it by a nose on the uh, poll, uh, but it was pretty close. Mm-hmm. So let's run through these third jerseys. This is a visual element, but we'll describe them on the <laughs> on the podcast. So <clears throat> we've got Anaheim's green and purple throwbacks to the original Mighty Ducks uniforms. Similarly, we've got Arizona's Coyotes throwback to the old Coyote logo, which, man, it's sweet. It's mm. real sexy. Uh, Carolina has their take warning third jersey with the uh, storm flag that just doesn't do it for me. It's close. <laughs> I think it's like, I think it's more disappointing because it could have been there but wasn't. Yeah. You know? I think it should um, be entertaining. Yeah. Calgary has the Atlanta Flames throwbacks with the fiery white sea, and mm-hmm. I, those are pretty sharp. Uh, Colorado, big swing and a miss for me. <laughs> I don't know. How do you feel about the Colorado thirds? Oh, we'll get to them. <laughs> okay, Colorado's is the, the sea and the mountain yeah. triangle. Um, very kind of navy and burgundy, mostly navy. Columbus has their old uh, sort of cannon. Not sort of. There's a cannon on it. It's <laughs> Cannon-type <it's>, cannon. <laughs> two shades of blue and white. Uh, the Oilers have the... <clears throat> the actual blue ones, since their oranges are their main now, God. but it's pretty straightforward blue. Mm-hmm. What a weird decision. Their new, their new oranges that came out with the Adidas ones <clears throat> yeah. are s- such crap compared to... It's like a burnt orange now, mm-hmm. but it used to be that like flashy orange mm-hmm. was their third. They should have just done that. Anyways. Yep. Connor McDavid shook him and made him not. Uh, the LA, really? No, I'm not. Okay. No, I don't okay. think so. The LA Kings have a kind of milk toast. I mean, it's kind of cool, but it's just kind of generic. Sort of gray with an mm-hmm. L.A. crest on it. Uh, the Devils have the cool white home Christmas color throwback sort of sweaters. Uh, the New York Islanders is another one that I think was close, but no Siggy in the way that the Carolina oh. one was. It's like it's like you were almost there, but not. You were so almost there that you swung and missed. Uh, I love the Philadelphia Flyers. Do not like their third jerseys. Black with orange arm stripes and a black logo. Uh, the Pittsburgh third jerseys are yellow with black arms and yellow armbands. Um, the San Jose stealth ones are kind of black with just touches of teal. Uh, the Jets aviator jerseys, which we've seen, are kind of the, I don't even know what shade of blue you would call that, with the Jets in script on the front. And then the Capitals thirds are kind of like their old white third jerseys, uh, but with red and that same kind of throwbacky <coughs> Capitals logo. So, what do you think about these? Well, first off, we didn't include the Blues, because the Blues are the best ones. Well, so. obviously. Sorry, that would have been number one. So we're voting for a strong number two. Mm-hmm. Um, this was my favorite poll, because this is, what, this is where it really comes down to the stuff. This is what this whole choice, elimination <coughs> by choice, is really about, is a big list. So for me, looking at all of these, God, I gotta say, unless you have strong feelings, we'll feel you out on this, it's gotta be Islanders are number one. That are oh, number. yep, that's what I was thinking. Islanders, there are, they are... High just, five over the mic. Yeah, <laughs> audio, cue. <laughs> um, 
That was just a soundboard drop, but people don't know. I don't think any of these are disgusting. And I don't necessarily oh. think the Islanders are disgusting. But like, <laughs> the Islanders do look like practice jerseys. I described the Jets to our as correspondent Jordan. I described their third jerseys as so safe, it's kind of gross. And that's, to me, like the Islanders yeah. one. And you said they look like practice jerseys. That's yeah. perfect. Like, this does not look like something you play in a professional sport game. <laughs> All right, they go first. <clears throat> Are you deleting them as they go? I'm glad you ran through them. I made the list below so I could see instead uh-huh. of like having to scroll through each uh, picture after we looked at it so then I could like rank them. Good. I was wondering what you were typing. My memoir. <laughs> Scenes of a third grade nothing. Um, yeah, so we got rid of the Islanders. So it's my turn. Yeah. I'm going to say... Man, there are a couple on here that are real suspect. <laughs> I'm going to... Highly suspect. I'm going to say the Jets really struck out on this one. Yeah. There are a couple that I would probably put down on this, and I bet you'll go with a couple other of my least favorites here. But the Jets, they went so safe that it's like, why'd you even bother? It's the Oreo jersey. Yeah. It's, like, Ugh. I don't, nothing about it. I I know there were a couple of people that were like, those are spicy. And I'm like, no, they're we, like bland. We played in a game where the Jets were <coughs> wearing those and it, they don't look good in action. No, they look worse in action and they look kind of boring on the show. You, they so. make the players look big and not like intimidating, just like puffy. Yeah, chunky. Yeah. You know? So there's 14. All right. Oh, boy, boy, boy. Like, I'm skimming over the ones I really like. I know what my next three or four would be, but I don't have a close order on them. Um, Next one. I'm. Do, do, do. I would take out LA. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the three or four for I me. I gotta scroll up. These are the gray ones? Yeah, I mean, they're not offensive in any way. They're like you kinda, said, none yeah. of these really are. Except the, the Jets and the Islanders do kind of offend me. <laughs> they, they used to do the, <coughs> the old thing where they'd wear the... Uh, purple with the crown? Yeah. Do that again. Or at least use purple in some way. God, man. please Just, use some sort of purple. Why did you get rid of purple? Black There's no silver. purple. Yeah. In the league. I'm very upset about no purple. Seattle, it's on you. <laughs> Sound like Jerry Seinfeld. Why come no purple? What's the deal with no purple? Yeah, much better. You had the colors on your uniform, and then you got rid of them. Sorry. Love <laughs> mutton. <laughs> uh, yeah, so my turn. My turn. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say <coughs> be gone. Be gone. Uh, <sighs> one of two choices, one of two choices. I'm going to say be gone Edmonton. They're fine. Mm-hmm. They're fine. They're just a primary old jersey that you, like, two-year-old. Yeah. That you're just like, this is our third jersey now. You basically just flipped what your home and third jersey were. Yeah. And so they're not interesting in any way. I'll go with that. <clears throat> they're, I mean, they're a fine jersey. I would I would be happy to wear that jersey if it had Connor McDavid's name on it. <laughs> but, like, it's just nothing about it gets me excited in What if way. Peter Shirelli gifted you that jersey? <laughs> I'd wear it. If it was signed by him, in in big block letters, <laughs> Peter, and it's P E T I R. Yeah. Okay, I've got two. They're both the same color, I think. Oh, I know what they are. Oh, maybe I don't. Go ahead. 
Uh, actually, after I said that, it was like, maybe there's a couple that are like this. Um, I'd eliminate San Jose's because they've been doing the black jersey for a while. It's fine, looks alright, but they were like marketed this as this. I watched the video for this. Oh my mm -hmm. god, you'd think it was a summer blockbuster. Yeah. And I mean, like, times 10. Still. Summer blockbusters at least try and like rein it in a little <laughs> to bring it up, but this one's like. And I'm like, holy crap, what's happening? And they're like, oh, it's just their black jersey again. But it's a stealth jersey. <clears throat> what do you feel about the shark's current logo overall? The triangle thing? Yeah. So I've argued with my dad about this, who is like an art person. So maybe he's right from an artist's perspective, but I think I'm arguing the artist's perspective. Anyways, the shark's coming out of the triangle. Uh -huh. and he's like, that looks stupid. Why do they have to finish the triangle over there? And I was like, well, it's because they like are trying to complete a like chevron. I'm trying uh -huh. to complete a shape, even though he kind of breaks the shape. Uh, it's fine. I guess the one thing about the... I th think I like it. I think you like it. But it's like... <laughs> It's like fine. These, I think about it a lot, and you're like, yeah, but it's good. Though, so. <laughs> what um, were you going to say? Sorry. No, their third jersey, do they still... On, okay, so on this black one, they're still doing, they're doing the little um, triangle still. Uh -huh. They used to, I swear, complete the shark. They took the triangle out, and you could see its tail behind it on their old black third jerseys. Uh -huh. And I thought that was kind of cool. So actually, this makes me totally solidified on where I want to put it. I think it's just... Eh. It's fine. They've done it before, and then they just made it almost even more like their regular jersey. Uh-huh. So if you're okay cutting that. I'm great cutting that. Oh, yeah, oh, it's I'm... safe. And you're right. Yeah, this old, this is the one you had in mind, this old third? Yeah. That's dope. Yeah, I, like I like that. that one better. I love the, the shark biting through the stick motif has always been cool, but <clears throat> yeah, let's get rid of it. And I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to say bye-bye Columbus, because it's been around a long time. Yeah. And it's just safe. It's just vanilla. I do like Nothing the wrong with it. It's cool, yeah. It's I'm just... tired of their primaries. Oh, yeah. For the love of God, it's been the that same That logo's thing been terrible since the beginning. They do the gross thing where it's like... What, is, what do they have? Navy blue. Uh -huh. They have a line down the sleeve, but on either side of the line is navy blue. So you're like, okay, this... I don't know. It looks like the design gets lost. Yeah, all three of these designs look very 2009. Yeah. They're still doing that same old circle. We abandoned the circle. That, that looks exactly like our third jersey that we abandoned like five years ago. Come now. on, Columbus. This way ain't getting the All-Star game. Although I think <laughs> they got it before us. Yeah, so. probably. Let's see. And by the way, the logo I was thinking of is not the logo they currently use anymore. I was thinking of the old CBJ logo, oh. which now that I think about it, is kind of cool because the stick is the J, but yeah, still... Yeah, it's still nasty. Yeah. <laughs> um, it still had nothing to do with their being the blue J. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed <laughs> that they've barely ever used any sort of like double entendre with blue jackets. See, that logo is cool. Oh, yeah. Well, but, I mean, their, their mascot is that as okay. a uh, firefly or something a yellow jacket no it's a yellow jacket sorry the lightnings the lightning the lightning have a firefly oh nice um <clears throat> let's see how about we take out i know who's the next two and then we get into tough positive conversations pittsburgh oh yeah we can take them out okay the yellow's fine. I kind of like that they went that route instead of the weird, like, blue uh -huh. they had, which I know is, like, an old-timey thing, but 
It's eh. I almost wish they committed to the yellow more on this one. Yeah, it kind of seems like they wanted to do a Nashville thing. I'm sorry, I know Nashville's a much younger team, uh-huh. but they really wanted to do a Nashville thing and didn't commit. And I will say, keeping it in the neighborhood, I'm surprised it survived this long. The Philadelphia one does nothing for yeah, me. Yeah, can take that out next. I'm surprised a couple of these have survived as long as they have. Um, <clears throat> at this point, I'm in... I'm, there's, I think I, I have one I want to win. Let's see, seven, eight, nine. I think I know the one I want to win. Yeah, factoring in a couple of different factors. Let's see, next one out. To me <coughs> is. <clears throat> Carolina. Yep, that's fine. I like I like the black. I like that they're doing the black again. That's a different, I think it's a different flag logo than the one they used to have. It's a slightly different, it's an interesting take. I like it better than their toilet flush logo. Um, but yeah. It's I just, just think it's so close to being better than it is, you know? Like, I feel like the logo's really cool, but it's not, like, utilized properly, I guess. Needed a second, a second uh, look. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not seeing the shoulder patches or anything in this logo, but it's just it's just close, but no Siggy. All right, I'm gonna say one that might start a fight. Oh boy! I think I would get rid of Colorado next. No, it's fine. Okay. It was I was trying to go between Carolina and Colorado. Yeah, I mean it's it's okay, and it's got the you know Colorado flag motif to it, but it's just. I think could have done more with the colors, I think. Yeah, but, but I don't know. I want, see, I mean, again, with the purple, it's like, be flashier. Your third jersey should be more dynamic than your main jerseys, not less. You yeah, know? like we made it even, we made it conservative. <coughs> we made it now, safer. Super conservative, <laughs> yeah. Which I guess makes sense, the weird A with the puck. And I know those blueberries with the Colorado written across them. I actually kind of like those. Oh, I I forgot about those. I know that Colorado fans hated those things, or at least a lot of the message board types did. Okay. Um, So I know that they probably wanted to go a little safer after that, but I don't think think they went super safe in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll ask Jordan his thoughts. I think I have. Calgary? Yeah, I mean, that's one I really like, but it's also... You can defend it. That's what this is about. <clears throat> Let's see. Let's see. Who would We've, I... Okay, to, to round it out, our last, our top five here, underneath the blues, is Anaheim, Arizona, Calgary, uh, New Jersey, and Washington. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm going to guess that... Can I guess who your favorite is? No, you can't guess who okay. your favorite is. Okay. Well... Uh, Calgary's up there amongst mine, but the more I look at it, it's... Who would, who would you put, if you were trying to knock <laughs> out the next one, who would you take out? Who do we, we have Arizona, Anaheim, Calgary, Calgary New, New Jersey, Jersey, and Washington. Washington. Yeah. Because it's one I agree with, we, we can go with that. I, I know it's not, though. I would probably, I would probably take Washington next. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Next one you want to take out. I, I mean, uh, uh, New Jersey would probably... Here's the thing. Th- okay, let's, let's switch off of these. 
I would not put either of the Anaheim or Arizona ones first because no. they're just throwbacks to what they've already done. Okay. They're spicy. Well, they're spicy. But they're just retreads. Mm-hmm. Cool retreads, but retreads. Well, technically, aren't all the remaining ones jerseys that they used well, to wear? Well, that's true, actually. <laughs> that's a good point. So that's not really a good separator. Um, so you would put Washington first. That was my guess. I don't know. <laughs> We can agree. Let's agree on one to eliminate. Yeah. Can we agree that New Jersey isn't the top? We have. We can eliminate New Jersey because I would be a hypocrite if I said, "Man, I hate Christmas colors in Minnesota." And I was like, "But on New Jersey, hot damn!" I know they went white home, which I is like really that. popular. And I do like that. I get it, and they're cool. I mean, I love those jerseys when they come out. Yeah. I love them now, but they they're, came in fifth. That's they're good. fine. Yeah, fifth and fifteen, not bad. Okay. <clears throat> You want to get rid of the Flames. I think I like uh, Anaheim and Arizona I'll capitulate. I'll give you the Flames. Okay. I might have put them first, but it's pretty close company now. And I like the Capitals one more than I'm wetting on. Oh, I mean, I'll give it to Anaheim or Arizona if you want, but this is where this is where it gets dirty. Well, let's let's try and discuss between Anaheim and Arizona. Okay. I think these are close. I'm going to give it to Arizona over Anaheim. Damn, that's too bad because I agree. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. I think the the difference maker is the pattern, the the little Mm kind of sawbone pattern or whatever that is on there. It's just not something you see on any NHL jersey. Yeah. So it makes it that extra step cooler. I mean, both of the logos are dope and both of the color schemes are dope. But I just think that's the difference for me. I agree. So why do you love Washington so much, you big, big gay loser? <laughs> Man, it's they pop. But you know what? Uh, the picture you have here, I think, does a does slight a disservice. disservice. To okay, that. well, find one that doesn't. No, I won't. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'll find one that does. Are those always? Are the find one of them wearing it? <clears throat> because do they always have fat blue and white down there, or are they like thinner lines on the bottom? Or is that new this year? They're fat. Okay. They look better on somebody, I think. I think when it was just like... Yeah, you know what? It's pretty cool, all told. I don't know. I like the blue pants. The blue pants are really selling me on them for some reason. That's true. And you have to see the whole get up a little bit sometimes. Oh, when the pants have stars on the side? I'm in. I'm (laughs) in. Screw it. We're in. I know they've been around for a while, but man, the first time I saw them ever, I was like, are these the new ones? Like, oh, they're just the thirds. I'm like, oh my God, get to these now. I do like the old white ones even better, though. I do. So like if they made them the primary and just made them the home and away, do it. Oh, they're so good. And then give me a black and gold throw. <laughs> I was going to say, we talked about that texting earlier. I do kind of like that little gold copper they have. Mm-hmm. They brought that tone in and had like yeah, a throwback for that. But like with... Or even if you just like found a cool way to make the star, like the alternate stars that color or something, mm-hmm. might be cool. Be Congratulations, Washington. You won the cup. Congra- but more importantly, you, you won the spiciest jersey. Yeah, I mean, if... Alex Ovechkin went on a month-long bender for the Stanley Cup. Imagine the kind of month-long <laughs> bender he's going to go on for the Uogs. We uh, no suck no more. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't, Alex. No, you don't. Worst Blues loss. We have a number of these left, so let's move quickly. Worst Blues loss on 
Jan on February 13th of 2018, would you like to walk us through this terrible loss? Uh, I remember it as one that broke my psyche. Um, <laughs> Blues were up 3-0 heading the third, and Nashville scored three unanswered goals to win an OT. Two of them were within almost a minute of each other, and the second of those two, this is what put them up, uh, made that game 3-2 and then tied it. That first goal of those two was a shorthanded goal. And probably scored by Austin Watson, yeah. because he scores those a yep. lot. They scored a shorthanded goal, and then they immediately scored... I think a minute and four seconds later, and the game was over, more or less. And they scored a minute and 15 in an OT. Fantastic. 4-7-18, at Colorado. This was the last game of the season, and all the Blues needed to do was win to get into the playoffs. In fact, no, correction, all they needed to do was not lose in regulation to get into the playoffs, even do and that. they couldn't manage that. Uh, it was 3-1 to one in reality with two empty net goals because the Blues pulled their goalie super early mm -hmm. um which as an aside why do the blues think that they're more likely to score with six attackers they're not <laughs> they're more likely to get scored upon <laughs> anyway um it was a road game and i was at wrestlemania for this so not paying attention mercifully but boy oh boy <laughs> was it ugly um <clears throat> 11-19-18, this was the 2 to nothing shutout versus Los Angeles uh, that was um, the Mike Yo's last game. Mm -hmm. I recall this as honest to God. This and the one nothing against Chicago that was either immediately before this or like two games before this. As honest to God, the worst professional game of hockey I've ever watched. It was a one incredibly bad team beating a lifeless team very sloppily. And it was so bad, and we, we were so broken at the end of it, that when Mike Yo was fired, it was almost like, this isn't real. This is a, an alternate universe. <laughs> Mike Yo was the coach of this team like six weeks ago. Doesn't that seem like decades to yeah, you? It seems like millennia the to season's me. been slow we're not we're getting close we're to not halfway and then finally the 12-1-18 loss that was six to one to arizona that i would like to uh what's the word <coughs> in, in literature i'm the english major so i should yeah. know this Don't ask me. um prototype archetype that's what i'm thinking this is the archetype for a whole family of just embarrassing blowout losses. So if I was going to say what these nominations were for, the 4-3 to three overtime loss in Nashville for breaking our spirits, <laughs> the 5-2 to two loss in Colorado for breaking our hearts, the 2 to nothing loss to Los Angeles for breaking our coach, <laughs> and the 6-1 to one loss in Arizona and all of its friends for, I don't know, breaking our balls, I guess. <laughs> um, what would you eliminate on here? Man, these are all bad. They're all, they all win the award. <laughs> Let's just rank how they win it. Yeah. We should have a moonlight moment, too, where we give the award to the wrong episode, oh, yeah. and then we're saying, wait, last minute, and then we change it. Mm -hmm. oh, I, I cool. can eliminate first, if Go you ahead. want me to. Yeah. 
individually of these four, the Arizona one goes. Okay. Because while it's embarrassing, if we hadn't done it ten times this year, you could write it off. Mm-hmm. We have done it ten times this year, and also Petrangelo and Fabry got hurt in that one, so that didn't make it great. But fine, whatever. That's the one I'd write off. Yeah, let it be known that it's <clears throat> 11 times this season that the Blues have been scored on, have had allowed five or more goals, and so that's 11 times in 37 games. They did this 10 times last year throughout the entire season. That was Ten already times, which bad. which was too many, by yeah, the way. They're already at being scored on five <clears throat> or more goals 11 times in 37 games this season. Barftastic. Vomitrocious. So I would would eliminate um, the L.A. game because it got Mike Yo fired, and I was happy about that. So really, it was our best loss of the season. I was at the game. It was hard to watch. It was very bad. This was the one, right? Where the guy was like, well, L.A. just plays a great trap game. You're right. That dumb... (laughs) fucking idiot behind me. Seriously. (laughs) What an idiot. Like, really, most of the time, if you're a fan, you have a dissenting opinion to me, I'm probably going to side with you because I'm an idiot. (laughs) But, like, this guy was just saying, just hogwash. I look like you can force it upon me and I'll apologize to you. It was terrible. This is also the one that I'm pretty sure I slapped my knee and said, hot damn, when the Kings scored against us. Uh At this point, I was just all in. (laughs) Excuse me. I wanted us to lose that game. So, yeah, it was, it was a happy game for me. I loved it. <laughs> I would say, I'll make a controversial choice. Oh, no. I think the Colorado game's the worst loss. Because it's endemic of so many other losses in that, oh, we just had, we had to show oh. up. We had to show up. And we just didn't <laughs> at all at all because <laughs> wasn't the two was super late right our second goal it was already- wasn't it like a Tarasenko against the Sharks where it was like because wasn't it three to one and then they got the empty netters or something like that I was like our second where goal- they got the first empty netter and then we got one and then they got our the second, second one was on a six on five and it was super late so then okay. I mean it made it whatever four to two you just, you just didn't show up and that whole end of the season they just didn't appear they needed one more point and then the game before this one more Braden point Chicago but the game right before that, that they lost got to Chicago blitzed yeah oh woof and one of them oh one of them was the Keith goal mm-hmm. with like seven seconds left that sent it to overtime or beat out no I think it would have gone to overtime and we would have gotten the point that we ultimately yeah. needed. Oh. Would you argue with that and say the other one was worse? Because I there's um, a fair case. You know, I think I'll go with the Colorado loss because it was just... I just came back from Japan, and I remember this. I was like still jet-lagged because it was that night that this game was on. I was like, I'll lay down on my futon, turn on this game, we'll probably lose, but maybe not. And then it happened, and I just remember being like... My trip happened, and that was fun. I came back... And you fucking ruined it when I came back. You <laughs> ruined like, it. It's like culture shock in the most believable yeah. and benign Yeah, I came back and I was like, way. oh, nothing changed. Nothing's different. Some people come back and think, well, we are really fortunate in this culture and I need to make changes in my life to reflect my 
good fortune. Mm-hmm. And you came back and said, oh, my hockey team's still shit. Yeah, I was like, might as well go back. No, I think that one was the worst loss. I will give a eulogy to the 4-3 Nashville <laughs> uh, OT loss, though. I think Colorado, the Colorado loss sealed the deal that this team sucked. Uh-huh. I think the Nashville loss, because yes. we were like, five, we were going 500 before then. We had the really good uh-huh. October, and November, December was, you know, even January was just kind of like, eh. And Jake Allen was in this scary place. Um, but man, all of a sudden, it was that 4-3 OT loss. The crowd was all over the Blues in Nashville, and I just started thinking, oh, are we not good? <laughs> Like, it was a real, before I was like, okay, we might not be good, but I think we can turn it around. I was pretty much like everyone currently. Yeah. But I was like, oh, maybe the team's just not good anymore. Yeah. And then it proved that. That that loss did win the poll. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Avs came in second with 28%. It took 48%. The Coyotes' loss got 20%. And I'm surprised by how little the Kings' loss got. But I do think some people were probably like, it got yo fired. Yeah, it's a good loss. <clears throat> Favorite Blues excuse. Outworked for being pathetic. <laughs> Not ready for being more pathetic? Yeah. <laughs> at least outworked you're kind of saying you were ready but you didn't work very hard this one like you weren't ready to go is it better to be lazy or just unprepared in any way Uh, they have a good team over there for duh and I don't know for please (laughs) Uh, get rid of one for me make this easier Uh, I'm going to take Good team over there because yeah, that's like, just a talking. They point. say that even when it's like when it's a five four loss or something, you know, two one loss, any sort of loss is pretty much like well, the other team played, uh-huh. so they have a team over there. I'm going to take away outworked mm-hmm. because while it is arguably the worst in a sense, it's also just a it's like obvious. I guess it's true sometimes. Just yeah. True. Sometimes you just do. Today we outworked the Capitals. They're clearly mm-hmm. a better team than us, but we worked harder than them. So we're down to not ready and I don't know. I'll be honest. I, I'm going to go against the poll here and say I'm going to take out I don't know and go with not ready. How personally. can you be not ready? Like, not ready. I don't know is a, Honestly, it's just more honest. You're like, I honestly don't know. Yeah. And it's frustrating, but I kind of like I, you I, mean, respect- I don't like it, but I respect it because like, yeah, you completely lost like we are. Uh-huh. I gotcha. But not ready is like, holy shit. Say what? <laughs> and I know that's also just kind of a thing they're saying, but if it's not true, uh-huh. then don't say it. And I'm guessing they're not lying, so what the fuck? <laughs> like, why aren't you ready for a game? Uh, yeah, it's the worst one. Cause, uh, and also, it's constant. It's like, you weren't ready for the last matinee yeah. game. You're not ready for this matinee yeah. game. You figure out the problem. Speaking of not ready in matinee games, did you know that the Toronto Maple Leafs had a weird 2 o'clock day- game today and lost 4-3 to three to, wait for it, wait for it, the Minnesota Wild? Not great. Not great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, the the poll, uh, 51% of the vote went to I don't know. Not ready got 36%. Um, but, yeah, I agree. Not ready is way worse. I don't know is just... I mean, it 
maybe sucks the worst to hear, mm. but it's just honest. Because yeah. why would Tyler Bozak know how to fix this team? <laughs> worst NHL head coach replacement. Uh, we didn't put Craig Berube on the list because, let's be honest, most of you would have voted for I don't know if they would have. I mean, it's interesting, but... I think the fan base is kind of split. I think yeah. some of them like what he's doing with the younger guys. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Colleton replaced Joel Quinville in Chicago. Ken Hitchcock replaced Todd McClellan in Edmonton with great success. I'm surprised that he got any votes. That's very bizarre to me. I guess that's just lingering resentment. Uh, Willie Desjardins replaced John Stevens in Los Angeles. And Scott Gordon recently replaced Dave Haxtell. Uh, I'll take off Ken Hitchcock because obviously. Yeah, they have lost five in a row recently. Oh, have they? But okay. I can't honestly say that Ken Hitchcock is ever really going to be a terrible In his typical fashion, though, they did turn it around oh, on yeah. a dime when he got we'll there. We'll fix this power play. One practice. <laughs> One black coffee. <laughs> Same motherfucker. Yeah, uh... I would get rid of Scott Gordon probably too because yeah. we just don't know enough yet. I don't even know who that guy is. He was their AHL of the <coughs> no longer Adirondack yeah, Phantoms. Yeah, who is he? The Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs or something. No soft. Oh, it was the Iron Pigs with somebody else, but now it's not. Anyway, uh, I don't know who he is. So we're down to <laughs> Willie Desjardins. And Jeremy Colleton. Oh, it's Jeremy Colleton. It's easily Jerry Co- Jeremy Colleton because Willie Desjardins isn't replacing a Hall of Famer, and he isn't our age. <laughs> and Jer- and Bi- the Blackhawks have been way worse, way worse. At least Willie Desjardins, the Kings are equally bad, but the Blackhawks have been so much worse under Co- Colleton. So yeah, it's him. Let's not pretend they did get. Uh, close to the same amount of votes, 44 to 36, but Colleton did win. Uh, the Eric Carlson Memorial Award for player on a given team most likely to be traded. The team in question is the St. Louis Blues and the players that we nominated are Alex Petrangelo, Vladimir Tarasenko, Braden Shen, and Colton Pareko. Are you satisfied with these nominees or do you have another? No, I think that's fine. All right. Who would you eliminate first? Um, man. Given the most likely team awarded to the player on a given team most likely to be traded. <laughs> I love how you're reading this language like it's foreign. <laughs> what am I trying to decide wrote here? this shit? Um, I think, despite what people say about like Shen being traded because he's contracts the shortest at this point i don't think he's getting traded oh spicy pick Mm -hmm. i would like them to not trade him but i very much disagree i think he's the most likely to get traded who do you think who would you take out i would take out uh, it's hard here's the thing here's the thing that i'm struggling with because we're dealing with competing universes here. Mm-hmm. In the one universe, it's an honest assessment of this team and what needs to be tra- changed. In which case, you sign Braden Shin to an extension and keep him around because he's one of the things that's working. But there's this other universe where you're dealing with established stars of a team and existing contracts and players who do and don't want to stay here. And in that universe, I think Vladimir Tarasenko's the least likely to be traded, 
even though in the other universe he may be one of the more likely to be traded. Mm. Just because, like, it would take such... (laughs) balls, quite frankly, for Armstrong to pull the trigger on that. And I'm not saying he won't. I think he could. But in the universe where we're talking about, you know, what's the the easiest trade on this list to make is Braden Shin still. Even though he's a popular player, you can easily say he had a year and a half left. We're not where we need to be. He wasn't guaranteed to re-sign here anyway. We had a great deal. Like, that's the easy yeah. argument to make, rather than trading your captain or your star scorer or the young, beloved defender on a great contract. But I see why you would eliminate Braden Shen, because on the other hand, we would I would like to keep him maybe the no, most I'll, of any of we these We can guys. take out Tarasenko first. Okay. Okay. So you want to say uh, Shen next, then? Well, it's, your, it's yours now. Oh, it's mine now? Well, in... In deference to you, I'll say Shin. Don't do that. Because here's the thing, I don't... I think one of our right-handed defensemen will be traded. (laughs) So I'll say Shin. I'll say Shin. Okay. My reasoning for Shin even this low is the fact that I think this team... I guess it's along your thought process. Easiest to trade is Braden Shin gonna change anything on this team is somebody else. Uh-huh. So I, I've kind of striked him down the middle, so that's fine. You can say Braden Shen. So we're left with Petrangelo and Pareko. Um, I think you eliminate Petrangelo. Honestly, I think Pareko would be the one more likely to be traded. And it seems odd. I get it, because he's not the one struggling or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think you might get almost as much for him. Only because his contract, my computer's dead, um, is more enticing and you have more, it's longer. Uh huh. And like you said, I think trading Petrangelo is just going to be harder. I think trading Preco is technically easier. Here's the thing about the difference between those two guys any team in the league would shit themselves to trade for either of those guys, realistically. But Pareko can be moved. He has a no move. He doesn't have a no movement clause, so the Blues have total autonomy there. And I think the places that Petrangelo would approve are very narrow, mm-hmm. because he's got triplets and a family here, and he doesn't want to move. I don't know that it'll approve anywhere. Yeah, I think he might approve Toronto. And it's it's going to be a, a weird divorce if you move him at all. So you end, who did you end up saying would be? I'd say Preco's probably the most likely. Yeah, I kind of agree with that, and I don't think that's very popular. In fact, it's the least popular <laughs> on our poll. Uh, but, <clears throat> you know, you're talking about a, a second-pairing... Ec- you're talking about Kevin Shattenkirk, basically, much better in some ways. But you're talking about trading Kevin Shattenkirk four years before he was uh, pending UFA. Imagine if we'd done that, the huge return we might have gotten. Yeah. Talking about Taylor Hall or whoever, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's possible. The poll was overwhelmingly Alex Petrangelo. I think there's a lot of resentment towards the (laughs) captain right now. Um, Maybe not after today's game, which was one of his better ones. Mm -hmm. Um, Braden Shin was 19% and then Tarasenko 10 and Colton 9. So the poll directly disagrees with us. 
But screw the poll. No, They're all wrong. <laughs> but uh, in, an, in a sense, yes, they are. <laughs> anyway, so let's move on to the favorite hot new Thang Award, one of our signature awards. <laughs> uh, and then we'll give our, our spicy final award this uh, evening. Um, but the hot new Thangs in the NHL this year are the Seattle expansion team for giving us endless possibilities. The Barquay, Barquay the dog for giving us endless awes because he's very adorable. He's re- like he's a really adorable for a puppy, which I didn't even know there were like tears <laughs> of puppy adorability. Yeah. But he's somehow he's got- the uber tear. <laughs> um, Gritty for giving us endless waking nightmares, but adorable ones. Mm. And Carolina's storm surge for giving us endless. Angry old <laughs> men. What? You go first. That's right. You do it. Uh, I'm going to take the coward's way out and say bye-bye, Seattle, because we knew you were coming. Yeah, good. You're not that hot or new now. Agreed. Um, Are you going to now I'm go gonna take with the poll or go hard against the poll? I don't know. My computer's dead. Oh. Um... I'm going to take out the storm surge. You went with the pole. Because <laughs> it's neat. It's cool. I like it a lot. But I mean... Brian Burke does not. It will happen next year and it will be less exciting. Uh-huh. And then they'll do it a third year and that's when people go, do they still do that? And then they'll, and they'll be worse uh-huh. and they'll move somewhere. So. <laughs> and they'll be doing it in Houston. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're down to Barclay and Gritty. Now... Yeah. On the different ends of the spectrum. Oh, just opposite. Well, I, Gritty is what Barclay would become if he just smoked cocaine for ten years straight. <laughs> but <coughs> it's like he's he's nightmare adorable and pup, and the puppy's real adorable. <sighs> Here's the thing about Gritty. He's gonna flame out. You're arguing against Gritty. No, he'll be around. I'm not saying he'll disappear. But the, but, but then Barclay will also grow up. Eventually he's just going to be a dog. <laughs> nobody, I mean, the dogs are great. Nobody's going to care about you. Who cares about Barclay the dog? <laughs> Gritty's eternal. Gritty's like an elder god. I'm going to not be a homer here and say it's got to be Gritty. It's got to be Gritty, right? I love Barkway. He's adorable. I want to meet him so bad, but it's got to be Gritty. Although nothing, I don't think, in my entire adult life has filled me with more just pure warmth in my heart than watching 97-year-old Doc Emmerich (laughs) sitting flat-legged on the ground with Barkway hopping all over his lap and just giggling with delight. That was pretty funny. It was wonderful. So, we'll give it to Gritty. Uh, The poll was a dead heat between Gritty and Barkway. I'm surprised. Um, 40% apiece, so I'm guessing exactly the same number of votes and then Seattle got 13% to Carolina's 7. Uh and Seattle's exciting it's just we knew it was coming. Yeah. So, for our final unofficial official two guys no club galactic supremacy award of the evening, we have the Number one industry that millennials are killing this year. This comes from an independent article out of the UK that like that is telling us all the things that millennials are doing wrong. Let's start with 
I'm my computer's freezing a little bit, but you have no computer, so we're going with mine. The first nominee is casual dining chains. People are eating out less, but also more. What's the logic on this one, Ian? I have zero idea. I've got no computer. I can't read the <laughs> Executives thing. may say the death of the industry at the hand of millennials has been overstated. The fact remains that brands such as BW, W, Ruby Tuesday, and Applebee's have faced sales slumps and dozens of restaurant struggle closures. Millennial customer consumers are more attracted than their elders to cooking at home, which is going to get real ironic later. Uh... <laughs> Says Buffalo Wild Wings CEO. So yes, we've killed fast. Uh, we've killed casual dining. We've killed traditional weddings. Couple are couples are increasingly ditching banquet halls and hotel reception rooms in favor of unconditional venues such as barns and farms. Barns. We've killed. Did you know we killed beer? We've killed beer. They are simply not drinking as much beers as generations past. Beer consumption amongst 21 to 24-year-olds has fallen roughly 3% over the last 15 years. I assume we're drinking more hard alcohol. Did you know that millennials are killing mayonnaise? (laughs) An article in Philadelphia Magazine with the headline, How Millennials Killed Mayonnaise, sparked debate in April. Uh, Sales fell 6.7% between 2012 and 2017. Millennials are killing the starter homes market. I don't even know what that is. Boring. (laughs) Millennials are killing department stores like Macy's and Sears. I'd argue that Amazon is doing that by being better at their business. Millennials are killing razors because of the rise of a laid-back approach to shaving. Most popular among men under the age of 45 is causing some serious problems and strategic adjustments in the razor industry. I think the reality is that Harry's and Dollar Shave Club are just doing the job better. (laughs) Harry's was like... Like furry, this was like a type of person. <laughs> like, the result is people love Harry's. According to Gillette, studies show that the average number of times <laughs> men shave per month has fallen from 3.7 to 3.2 per month? What? What? <laughs> I mean, I know people have beards, and I guess that's factoring that in. But shouldn't you do separate polls for people with beards to people with not beards? I have to shave every day, otherwise it looks... Not good. I'm lazy, so I don't, but I shave every other day if I have anything to do. We're anyway. not beard people. We're not. Uh, millennials have killed toys because we don't <laughs> pump out enough children. We've also killed childhood. Fertility <laughs> hit a record low in 2016, bringing the rate of one woman ages 15, weird start date there, uh, to 44 to 62 births per 1,000 women starting knocking more people up, folks, because Toys R Us is out of business and it's your fault. Restaurant chains like Hooters, restaurant, excuse me, (laughs) restaurant chains like Hooters, people ages 18 to 24 are 19% less likely to search for breasts on the pornographic website (laughs) Pornhub compared with all other age groups. According to an analysis conducted by the website. Is this article serious? (laughs) 
for restaurants like Hoosiers and Twin Peaks, which I know for a fact, not by going there because it's gross, but by hearing a lot of ads about it, just opened it up of a new location nearby. A loss of interest in... Uh, in not, the ev- like really <laughs> where can I go after that? In the uh, erstwhile abandoned parking lot of the Chesterfield Mall. Oh, that's been there forever. <laughs> that, for that. a few years, yeah. For restaurants <laughs> like Hooters and Twin Peaks, a loss of interest in breasts is bad for business. We just need rally boobs to save the day. Hooters has struggled to win over millennials for some time now. I don't know what the news here is. <coughs> Delivery that solves the polarizing issue the brand has had, CEO Ted Remarks said at the ICR. Many people wouldn't step foot into our restaurants, but they want our product. Have you considered changing the restaurant then? No, Again, no. this seems like your problem. Here's one for you and the dry folk. Cereal! We've killed cereal! Cereal sales have hit a slump over the last few years. U.S. cereal sales have dropped 11% over the last five years, hitting roughly $9 billion in 2017. Oh, really? They're down to $9 billion? What a rough break! Uh, we've killed golf. We've created SoulCycle and and Bari classes, I don't know what that are. Those are. But golf has failed to capture the interest. Has golf ever appealed to young people? Out of time. Uh, and uh, throwing it back to that little earlier mention about how millennials are cooking at home more over going to fast casual dining, millennials have killed home cooking. Yeah, but read what it says. A UBS report from earlier this year estimates that by 2030, online food delivery could command 10% of the total food services market. That could spell bad news for companies known for their ready-made or home-prepared meals, such as General Mills and Kraft. Heinz, so we've killed hamburger helper, you're telling me? You know, a home-cooked at meal. Scale, at scale, ubiquitous on-demand and subscription delivery of prepared foods could potentially spell the end of cooking at home. Folks, if your mom cooks hamburger helper and that's like her cooking, I'm going to tell you this right now. Your she mom doesn't, doesn't cook, cook at all. She doesn't do it. I know this because I cook hamburger helper, but that's not what I consider cooking. Yeah, that's I cook cooking. other stuff. That's what's cooking is. Chop something up. <laughs> if you don't involve if there's no cutting at all involved in your cooking, you're probably not cooking. Mm. Motorcycles! Millennial indifference seems to be playing a part in motorcycle maker sales slumps over the last decade. Can we be honest? Motorcycles suck? Oh, <laughs> no. No, well, what? How close are we to the end of this um, Three more. Okay. Three or four right. more. Then we'll be honest. All right. Um, millennials are killing old school, and because it's uh, the independent in the UK, I will read it the way they spelled it. Yoghurt. <laughs> Plain old spoonable Yoghurt is being swept aside for newer variations with mental produ- is that there you play mental predicting a 5% decline in overall sales mental? from 2017 to 2022. Uh we're losing I guess French and Greek yogurt are taking over. We've killed pop 
not uh, pop music, but pop soda pop. <laughs> 2006 soda sales by volume declined for the first time in 20 years, and they've declined every year since then. Damn it, millennials. We've killed bar soap. I gotta blame that on the people before us because it should have been killed. <laughs> bar soap is stupid. Use a washcloth, use, by the way. And use gel soap. It's much easier. I don't want to see your hairs on the bar soap. No, no. You cover that thing up. <laughs> napkins. We've killed napkins. I assume they mean just regular napkins, which is like, what? Um... Younger younger consumers are opting for paper towels over napkins. Those are the same. <laughs> and finally, we've killed fabric softener. Sales of liquid fabric softener fell 15% in the U.S. from 2007 to 2015. According to Downer, Downey, Maker, Procter & Gamble's head of global fabric care, millennials <coughs> don't even know what the product is for. Well, I mean, to be fair, that is right in the name. Well, like, you know why they don't sell well? It's because fabric softener doesn't come in pods you can consume so, for YouTube. I, I know we've gone a while. We won't go long on this. But oh, just pick, let's pick just, a handful. Let's just run down. I'll, I'll name them all, just the names real quick. Okay. Casual dining chains, traditional weddings, beer, mayonnaise, the starter homes market, Get rid of that, because I don't know what the fuck it is. <laughs> Department stores, razors, toys, cereal, golf, President Barack Obama. <laughs> Eisenhower. <laughs> Home cooking, motorcycles, Osama Bin Laden that one time, old school yogurt, the dreams of a generation, soda, bar, I like how you auto-corrected to soda, nice work, bar mm. soap, napkins, and fabric softener. Um, so here's the thing. Uh, being better at business mm. is not our fault. Amazon does what Macy's did better than Macy's, and so Macy's is dying. <laughs> and that's Macy's fault. Isn't that just evolution? Beer, I don't know how that's... I, my guess is that it's killing major breweries yeah, and that yeah. craft breweries are doing just oh, fine. tons of those. Razors, again, Harry's and Dollar Shave Club are doing what... <laughs> Harry's and Furries and Dollar Shave Club are doing what Gillette did just better than them. What are your thoughts? You made... The, you, you brought this up. You brought us this on us. What are your well, thoughts? Well, I'm going to go through the list, but it's just too late. Um, man. What I was going to say was, you know... When Ford made, like, the Model T, he killed, like, the horse and carriage industry. And then right. people back then, young and old, bought Model Ts. And they'll be like, you know, these darn, I don't know, are they millennial? I don't know what the hell you call these They're people. Baby? No, that's No, terrible. no, it's like... Flappers. <laughs> yeah, these flappers are killing the horse and buggy industry. There used to be people whose job was to make horseshoes. Yeah. That was their whole job, and you know what they had to do? Learn a new skill! That's what I mean, like, trades and businesses and certain things like this go out of business as, like, a whole all the time as times change. But now there's, like, lazy millennials on their Apple pads and their iPad watches sitting there just ordering stuff and not going places. And, God damn it, people should have to go out and sit with their family and stare at each other's faces at an Applebee's. Uh-huh. And you should have to order the chicken nuggets <laughs> there. You should have to do that, because that's America, and you're killing America. 
also home-cooked meals are not frozen things. That's a bunch of bullshit. A whole other tirade. Learn to cook. Learn Just to cook for it. real. It's not that hard. Christ. Like, There's simple allrecipes.com. I know that's on the internet, and the internet is dangerous. Yeah. You might search for boobs on Pornhub while you're there. But allrecipes.com is a great place. We're hitting both ends. <sighs> toys. Let's talk about toys. Video games exist. That's true. And we have less kids? That's not... So blame Trojan. Don't blame Millennials. It's not like... Uh, anyway. Um, golf? G- golf is... It's... For one thing, it's it's expensive. And I even, I like golf fairly much for someone our age. And it's boring as hell. I think they need to add a three-point line. <laughs> I'll jazz it up. Exactly. Motorcycles? Real dangerous. I think that's on... Oh, yeah. Well, that was you that sent me that. I was going to tell you a story about something someone sent me. It was you. What did I send you? The guy on the unicycle with the Thanos. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Where was I? Oh, my God. I need to remember where I was. I can't remember where I was in town. Or if I was even... Have I been somewhere recently? Anyway, I was at a stop sign, and someone rode across in front of me in a... on a unicycle yeah. with an infinity gauntlet on, like, and didn't give me a look like I'm doing this thing now. <laughs> that was just his life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Those, so yeah, they're not riding so motorcycles. See, see there are legitimate criticisms of millennials. <laughs> that guy, for instance, <laughs> he was a millennial, and he clearly sucks. But don't tell me that we're killing the starter home market. The real estate bubble killed the starter home market. Don't tell me that we're killing soda. Health decisions killed soda. Don't tell me that we're killing fabric softener because you made that up in the first place. And don't tell me that we're switching out napkins for paper towels because those are the same damn thing. Don't tell me that we're killing bar soap because that sucked to begin with. Don't tell me that we're killing old school yogurt because that still exists. Any other thoughts? I can go through the whole I'm list. I'm out of it. I don't know. We've... We've the gone number off the rails one, in a very weird way. The number one thing we killed in as millennials, I'll just say it. I'll just say it. We ruined Applebee's, and I'm proud. I'm proud. Yeah. If my generation, if our generation's primary accomplishment is killing Applebee's, job well done, I'd say. <laughs> the baby boomers had the New Deal and the American economy and the fall of the Soviet Union. And if we crush Applebee's in our 80 years on this planet, we have done just as much. God bless America, I say. God bless millennials. Do you have anything else to add to this podcast? You can vote for TGNC 2020. We're joining the ticket. We're going. Peter's Ground 2020. That's where we're going. I made you the president, aren't I, sweet? (laughs) Folks, thanks if you're still here. You're not. Uh, We'll be here next week. It's been two weeks since we recorded, so this was always going to be goofy. We'll have a little more seriousness next week, but probably not much more because that's what we're here for. Thanks for tuning in and down with Applebee's. (laughs) Bye.